What is up, FTT Nation? Welcome back. It's your boy, Postman Sean. It's raining, it's pouring, and I'm going solo. Psych! What up, bitches? We back. How we doing? FGT. What is up? What is up, FGT Nation? We're finally back together. GTI Studios, here we go. Let's drop that intro. Now that dope ass intro music is all done with and done blessed y'all ears we're gonna give a quick shout out to our boy andy cosby over at chrome roses hooking it up with that dope intro and outro music fucking killing it per usual we're all we're gonna follow that up with justin fitzmorris over at slick shades that's slick with a y i said it right this time no you didn't i know i can't y'all are fucking me with this one it's not you didn't even say that you said slick shades right it's Fitzmaurice. No, he said it's pronounced Fitzmorris. You said Fitzmorris. He said it's pronounced Fitzmorris, spelled Fitzmaurice. All right, whatever. He we'll corrected me going. with that. We'll keep going. I Big can't... shout out to Damian Winslow over at Infected Concepts, hooking it up with the merch. Yeah, the merch. <laughs> to finish what I was saying about Justin, you can FGG25 for the promo code on the website for your goddamn sunglasses and apparel, okay? He also joins Kristen for a slice of pizza through our Patreon, which FGT Nation should fucking check out to help support the show. All right, let's keep it rolling. Today's episode, we are going to break down the remainder of the 32-team recap. We got Dallas. We got Arizona. We got fucking Chargers, Raiders, and Eagles. I didn't put the beginning of them because I still say Oakland and uh, I still say Oakland and San Diego. Yeah, like, yeah, it's just I, I a can't, force of habit. It fucks me up, so I just use the beginning of them. Chargers, Raiders, Eagles. We got five teams to cover today. All right, let's, let's hit that. Let's do the thing. Okay, roll it. One, two, three, four. doesn't work for me. I gotta have more cowbell. Don't blow this for us, Gene! Could be, could be so selfish, Gene. Can I just say one thing? Say it, baby, just say it. I'm staring here, staring at rock legend Bruce Dickinson. I'm a cock and a walk, baby. And if Bruce Dickinson wants more cowbell, we should probably give him more cowbell. Say it, baby. And Bobby, you are right, I am being selfish. But the last time I checked, we don't have a whole lot of songs that feature the cowbell. I gotta have more cowbell, baby. And I'd be doing myself a disservice and every member of this band if I didn't perform the hell out of this. Guess what? I got a fever. And the only prescription is more cowbell. Thank you, Bruce. But I think if 
I think if I, if I just leave and uh, maybe I'll come back later, we can lay down the cowbell. Come on, baby. Gene, wait. Why don't you lay down that cowbell right now with us together? Do you mean that, Eric? Oh, yeah. Speaks for all of us. Thank you. Babies, before we're done here, y'all be wearing gold-plated diapers. What does that mean? Never question Bruce Dickinson. Roll it. One, two, three, four. All right, now that we done cleared the air and it's uh, Fitz Morris and not Maurice. Told you, this is, like I said to you off air, this is like a fucking horrible episode of Goodfellas. <laughs> uh, I'm going to jump right into the quarterbacks. Quarterback. I'm going to cover our man Dak. The Dak attack. I don't fucking know where I'm going with it. Uh, mm. Prescott. Uh, I'll give that a three. Yeah, me too. I'd yep. give it a 2.5. Because, uh, you know, them boys ain't going fucking nowhere. Uh, Dak Prescott, the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys, America's team. Uh, not my them team. boys. You know what I mean? I do like Dallas, but them boys are not my team. Uh, Dak is 29. Uh, he did finish last year as a quarterback eight. He had 410 completions, 4,449 yards. Couldn't get the extra yard, just do 4450. Not you know, possible. It's not his style, my man. No. Don't, he won't fight for the extra yard. No, no. Yeah, he will. Uh, he's, probably, <laughs> he's probably one of the only quarterbacks that will. Uh, he had 37 touchdowns and 10 picks. Um, Dak looks like he should be a mobile quarterback. However, since his gruesome-ass fucking ankle injury, and just even talking about it right now. Don't run. It's it's running fucking chills up Please my spine. Please don't run. Uh, he hasn't been running. Uh, last season, he only had 48 scrambles, uh, 146 yards, and one touchdown. You know what I mean? The only time you really see Dak move with his legs is when he has to. For the most part, like I said, he's become a top-tier pocket passer. Um, having two of his last three seasons go well over the 4,000-yard mark. Um, before his injury, uh, he was, back in 2020, uh, he was averaging 422 yards per game, uh, which averages out to over a 16-game pace. You ready for this? 6,760 fucking passing yards. Which means if he played all 17, it'd be over 7,000. 16. This was 2020. No, I'm saying, but if he played yeah. 17 games at that clip, yeah, he's he's getting just over 7,000 yards at that pace. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I didn't include the game he got injured in though, because he was only on the field for 60 percent, uh, 67 percent of the snaps before he got injured. Um, now, it being two years removed from his ankle injury, he should be as good to go as he ever will be post injury. Uh, the only downside with this offense is, yes, they did lose Amari Cooper. Um, but the talent of, like, CeeDee Lamb and the strong showings of Schultz at tight end and Tolbert, the rookie, I think Dak Prescott will be fine. Uh, he's definitely worth, you know, a fourth, fifth slot if you're looking at quarterbacks like this guy's that will take in front of him. But uh, Dak's my guy. You know what I mean? I love Dak across the board. I take him redraft, you name it. I love yeah. him. So I won't, you know, I won't double tap most of most of the stuff you said. Obviously, that's pointless. I like Dak as well. I think um, we we've seen it in similar quarterbacks um, like Patrick Mahomes, where you know now that now that Dak has less weapons to pass to and the capabilities to run as he as he as he showed prior, 
Will he be more apt to run this year and maybe, maybe you know, get a little more upside from there? Or will he stay that pocket passer and make these guys work? That's kind of what I'm, what I'm curious to see. So since you want to drop a heavy hitter, I'll drop a heavy hitter and talk about my man, Justin Herbert, the pervert. Uh, I thought you were going to talk about that kid from Heavyweights that jumps on the big balloon. He's, he's my ne- God damn it. He's my inner child. No, he's my next guy. Okay, right. I think he's going to come in and take over for Philly. <laughs> but no, Justin Herbert, last year, came out and just fucking dominated. He had 5,014 yards, 38 touchdowns, 5 interceptions. I'm sorry, 15 interceptions. I don't know why I just missed the one right there. 15 interceptions, Cam Glare. And he ran six, 63 times for 302 yards and 3 touchdowns. So a combined 41 touchdowns. Finished as a QB2, projected to be the QB2. I foresee him potentially being the QB1. It's within. He's one of the few guys where it's fully in his capabilities to finish as the QB1 if the guys he has continues to just produce how they have and the young people they've also added and the other pieces they've added continue to just grow. I love Justin Herbert this year. I mean, he... Let's, let's, I wrote down a couple quick facts, okay? Only Tom Brady and fucking Josh Allen finished with as many top five finishes last year. He had nine 300-plus yard passing games tied only with Tom Brady. And since he entered the league in 2020, he has thrown for 300-plus yards a game in 53% of the games he's played. So in more than half the games he plays in, he's, he throws for over 300 yards. That's insane for a guy that's on, that just finished his second fucking year, entering year three. That's, un, that's, that's what you pray for in Madden. Justin Herbert is, like, that next dominant class of, of quarterbacks. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, we have the Allen. We know what he is. We have the Mahomes. We know what he is. We have the, you know, Lamar Jackson. We know what he, we think he can be. But Justin Herbert, you know, could have very well, had he been the starter fresh out the gate as rookie year, could have had back-to-back 5,000-yard passing seasons. Like, we've talked about that. Uh, Newsflash, FTT Nation, guess who has more 5,000-yard passing seasons than Aaron Rodgers? I'm going to go with Justin Herbert? Justin Herbert. <laughs> what a He's only got one of them because, you know... That back-to-back reigning MVP guy has uh, never eclipsed 5,000 yards. So that's just my fun fact for the day. Yeah, I just, I love Justin Herbert. I think it's going to, you know, I, I read some reports, and we'll talk more about it when we get to receivers, but the guys that he that he has are slated to continue to, you know, succeed. I love the move of Keenan Allen just to t- touch that to slot receiver a couple years ago. And I got a fun fact about Josh Palmer when we get to him. So I just, I see nothing but green passes for Herbert. And I, if he can continue to grow off a 5,014-yard uh, yeah. season. Sky's the limit. Oh, my God. You know what I mean? Like you said, there's no reason why he can't finish as the quarterback one. I, I personally, I have Herbert over Josh Allen this year. I like that offense a lot more than oh, yeah. I like Buffalo's Absolutely. offense. I think they've got more weapons all around. They have a running back. I think they've got, you know, a great coaching staff. They have a running back. Whose primary job is to catch the ball. Yeah. So, Herbert all wheels up. Now, since we talked about a guy that's a fucking home run, I want to talk about a guy that's been, I guess, a ground rule double his whole career. A ground rule double. I you know? like that. I like that. Damn, yeah. damn good. You know, you're proud of it. You're happy with it. But that, it's not It's not the home run. That analogy is good. If, if you blink at the right time, it looks like a home run. Yeah. Right. Oh, hey. It went <laughs> over. Yeah, but it bounced <laughs> once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, damn it. <laughs> so, yeah, but it's still on the other side of the fence. You know, it's, and I think this year he will be a home run. Yeah. And it's Derek Carr. I took him in our league, I believe, in, or in, in one of your leagues, I believe. Yep. 
Um, I've taken him in a couple other leagues. I think he has huge potential for his for his um, you know ADP. He finished last season with 4,804 yards, 23 touchdowns, 14 interceptions as the QB 13. He's projected as the QB 15. So with the with the addition of Devontae Adams, he actually regresses two positions to QB 15. Which blows my fucking mind. Like, because, like Aaron Rodgers just won the MVP, and he had virtually the with same literally just Devontae Adams as Derek Carr, and Derek Carr didn't have anyone that season. Yeah, Hunter Renfro had a breakout. Yeah, he has Darren Waller, who played injured the whole fucking season and had a down year. But outside of that, dude, like Derek Carr really didn't have a, a, a Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones or or even an AJ Dillon to throw the fucking ball to, and yet. Aaron Rodgers still wins teacher. the MVP. I'm sorry, I just I'm he had fucking, a he had a guy that if you accidentally put E instead of W, yeah, you got a fucking baseball player on Google. Yeah, I'm sorry, dude. Every every chance I get to fucking just throw now, another dagger at the Aaron Rodgers MVP, <laughs> dude. I'm granted, gonna do it. Derek Carr prior to this season, or yeah, prior to this season has only had one one season with over 30 touchdowns. Who the fuck has he been throwing the ball to? Like you just no said, no one. He was. He, he had Amari Cooper for a flash in the pan before they shipped him off to Dallas. With you know they had an old Michael Crabtree. Yeah, what else? He was second in <laughs> passing yards and fifteenth in fantasy points per game when everyone was healthy in twenty twenty one. With Hunter Renfro as your top receiver, I, I can't stress that. Like yeah. he wasn't throwing to anyone. All props to Hunter Renfro. You know what I mean? We're not oh, taking he, nothing no, away from him, but no. But like you're not. You're not. You know. Yeah. You're not Devontae. No. You're not Jeff Jefferson and Chase. You're You're Hunter for, Renfro. Yeah, you blew everyone's mind, trust me. Yeah. But Derek Carr, the only reason he was so low, he was he was only QB thirteen and not top ten was because he only had 20, 23 touchdowns. Well that too, and he's also not mobile. No, he could have made up for it with some mobility, but if he had had a, a better receiver and had gotten thirty to thirty touchdowns, every QB that had over thirty passing touchdowns in twenty twenty one finished in the top 10 and last year without Adams with the team he had he was projected exactly 30 touchdowns there is absolutely no fucking way Devontae Adams doesn't earn you at least seven more touchdowns as a quarterback that's like a that's a free square and bingo like (laughs) that's exactly what that is getting Devontae Adams is a free square and bingo so I didn't yeah keep doing what you're doing in Vegas and yeah I didn't write the names down for who's ahead of him but the simple fact is like I said, every quarterback that had over at least 30 passing touchdowns last year finished in the top 10. Devontae Adams will get seven passing touchdowns. It, it's going to happen. Yeah, Derek so- Carr is most likely going to finish, if not the number 10 or number 9, number 11. If you're in like a redraft league, people, and you fade quarterback and everyone in your league, say you're in a 12-team league and there's typically only people take one quarterback – Derek Carr, you could literally take with like one of your last picks. You could fade quarterback the entire draft and still grab a top ten quarterback. He's he's one of those guys that I'm I consider for this season a set it and forget it quarterback. Yeah, you know he might have a subpar game one you know, once or twice. He might he's he's also gonna ball the fuck out yeah. several times. But for the most for, for most of the season, he's gonna give you consistent good numbers. That if you've faded quarterbacks long enough, like you've said. You should be able to build a strong enough team around that uh, set it and forget it stable quarterback with crazy upside is all you need. Do you know what one of my favorite NFL players is? 
Chucky. Josh Gordon. No, it's Chucky. And uh, he's got a great counterpart in Tommy Pickles. <laughs> I see. I, I see what you're doing here. Yeah. Uh, that being said, we're talking about Kyla Murray. Uh, Moses loves to refer to him as a toddler, although this man is five foot ten. He is not five foot ten. He is five foot ten. And we're listen, <laughs> he's five foot ten in cleats jumping. Okay, <laughs> like what the fuck? Okay. Right. And with that being said, five ten is still not big in the by NFL standards. Oh, by NFL standards, no. By like everyday human being standards, he's above average. Okay, but him in pads and a helmet, it looks like when you're fucking one of your kids takes your phone and takes off running and Christmas chasing him. <laughs> but, uh, our man is 25 years old. Uh, he finished as the quarterback 10 last season. He's going into his fourth season. Uh, he did just sign a fucking mega deal that's going to keep him long-term in Arizona. Um, he has finished as a top 10 every year with his uh, previous three finishes being uh, QB6, QB3, and QB10. Uh, he's definitely one of the best dual threat uh, quarterbacks out there, and he crushes the games when he's healthy. Uh, I stress when he's healthy because we've seen it last year that he played through like soft tissue injuries, which limited what he could do with his legs. Um, you know, Hopkins going down for a while, that limited what he could do through the air. Uh, but like I say, he does play through injuries, so he's not a bitch like Baby Jimmy Garoppolo. Maybe <laughs> back bitch. Um, but he did finish last season with 333 uh, completions, 3,787 yards, 24 touchdowns. But he also had 423 rushing with five touchdowns on the ground. Uh, Kyler Murray is hands down one of those guys, like we said about Josh Allen, that could easily, easily throw for 4,000 yards and rush for 1,000 yards. Granted, he has not done that yet in his career, but there's no reason why he can't. Um, Guys, if you don't feel like paying top dollar in your draft like a Mahomes, an Allen, or even a Herbert, and you want to wait that extra one or two rounds and grab another key positional player, uh, Kyler Murray is going to be right there for the taking. He's going to be right there with like Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, that next tier quarterback that is not like the greatest pocket passer, but they can fucking move with their legs and get you extra points on the ground. And with that being said, I'm going to want to take murray you know over those guys like just for the upside of the team around him you know i think this is going to be the best offensive weapons that Kyler murray's you know had you know they went out they added zach Ertz last year mid you know what was it seven games into the season yeah he came in was an emerged re-emerged as a threat at tight end again um they have deandre hopkins hollywood brown uh rondell moore I just feel like this is the year if Kyler Murray's going to pop off. Don't forget about A.J. Green. DeAndre Hopkins, Hollywood Brown, Ronda Moore. Uh, if this is the year that Kyler Murray's going to pop off, I think this is it. Out of all the years he's played, this is it. Yeah, they finally settled the contract dispute. Uh, you know what I mean? He's got all the pieces around him. Uh, like you mentioned, Rondell Moore is coming into his second season. He's got plenty of upside, guys. We'll talk about that when we get into receivers. But like I said, Kyler Murray, uh, second-tier quarterback. But there's no reason why, again, like a Herbert, he can't finish as the quarterback one overall. And like I said, you know, inside, off air, don't forget, Hopkins is coming off a PED suspension, okay? He ain't doing them no more, but, but, but damn it, he was doing them, which means he's <laughs> going to come off fucking ripped. Oh, yeah. All right. I'm going to finish off quarterbacks with a guy that I have a lot of hate for, and I'm apparently like the minority in this. 
Um, it might just be for the fact that I want to see him do bad so the guy behind him can take over and ball the fuck out. Who's the guy behind him? Gardner fucking Minshew, baby! Oh, yeah. Talk about Jalen Hurts, okay, from the Hurts Locker. You ever seen that movie? I did. He was in it. Good movie. It's about him, actually. It is? Yeah. That's a good movie. It's a documentary. If you watch it, he plays every role. It's crazy what special <laughs> effects can do. So he, he did, like, the Eddie Murphy? All of it. <laughs> All right. Yeah, he did, he did an action version of Norbit. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Jalen Hurts, he's projected to finish as the QB6 last year, to finishing as the QB9, which I did not think he finished that high. Because when you look at his passing numbers... He only had 3,144 yards, 16 touchdowns, and 9 picks. So that's not impressive. And then I saw he ran the ball 139 times for 784 yards and 10 touchdowns. And then I realized, oh, he's a running back. Yeah. That can occasionally dump the ball off. <laughs> he, he, he gets permission to throw the ball from behind the line if yeah. he can't scramble. They run a lot of fucking like NFL street shit where just two, yeah. two running backs, one of them can kind of throw. Um, and like you were saying off air, all reports have come out that he looks great um, in camp. His passing looks greatly improved, to which I say, based on those numbers, I fucking hope so. I mean, he did get weapons. Um, well, and that's what I was going to get to. I mean, they traded away Jalen Rieger, which I think is a fine trade-off when they traded for A.J. fucking Brown way before that. Jalen Rieger's a nobody. Um, A.J. Brown coming in. somebody. Yeah. I mean, they, they cleared up the logjam at tight end, so Dallas Goddard is going to get this 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 full season, which we'll talk about, to finally be the tight end one. They got they added AJ Brown, who is you know, proven that he can operate as a, as a, as a receiver one in a run heavy scheme. I think what fully is going to depend on Jalen Hurts being that projected QB six, and I've told you this before, is if he can realize, okay, now that I have, I know I have the ability to go north and south. Can I learn to go east and west and extend the play? Because I know if I need to run, I can do it. It's That's fine. Can I extend it and give my playmakers a chance to get open? If not, he's going to just keep fucking poaching running opportunities. Yeah. I love Jalen Hurts this year. Uh, I think a lot of the hate stems from that. Like, If you watch his film, he's not a, a great real-life quarterback right now. Uh, he obviously has room for improvement. But what he is, guys, and the reason why we talk about him and the reason why we do like him is he is a great fantasy quarterback. He's going to get you points on the ground. He's going to get you points through the air. He's going to win you games. Um, He's one of those guys, like we said, you know, you can fade until the mid-rounds if you want to pass on those top-tier quarterbacks and take him after a Kyler Murray or a Lamar Jackson. He's that next level quarterback before you drop down to like the pure pocket passes of Tom Brady, Russell Wilson, Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins, those guys. Um, Jalen Hurts, I have him in a lot of leagues. I got a lot of capital invested in him. Uh, I think this is going to be one of those years where he takes a great step up. They've been working with him a lot in the passing game to try and tone down what he's doing with his legs and focus more on what he can do with his arm. If that And if that works out, then I have a lot more faith in them because I'm also just nervous about quarterbacks that rely way more on their feet and put their put, put themselves out on, you know, out on the line to just get fucking lit up because if you know, if there's a chance for a defender to, to put hands on a quarterback, they're, they got, they're, they're taking it. They're going to do it, yeah. They're taking it. Time for my favorite part of the episode, Moses. We're talking Titans and butt plugs. Hell yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. You live for this moment. I live for this moment, dude. I love tight ends. Uh, another tight end that I absolutely adore is in Dallas. 
But I'm gonna hold off and I'm gonna talk about his counterpart real quick. Jason Witten? Uh, Jake Ferguson. Uh, he's the rookie. He's 23, six foot five. He's a big guy. Uh, just real quick, he was drafted in the fourth round. Uh, he's a solid option behind Schultz with uh, Blake Jarwin gone. Um, he did in Wisconsin not have a great year, but he had 46 uh, receptions, 450 yards, three touchdowns in 13 games, and that was in an extremely run-heavy team in Wisconsin. Um, obviously, I'm just mentioning mentioning him real quick. You're not touching him in redraft. You're not touching him in keeper leagues. You are grabbing him in dynasty because Schultz is under contract only until next season. So there is the possibility that they move on from Schultz and Ferguson takes over that tight end one role. Um, that being said, let's jump into Dalton Schultz. He's 26, six foot five. Uh, he had a moderate breakout campaign last season after taking over for Blake Jarwin, who may who like many people thought was going to have the breakout over Schultz, but obviously it didn't work out that way. Um, he did finish as the tight end three, uh, only behind Kelsey and Andrews. Now, FTT Nation, if y'all listening to me, you're probably like, what the fuck? You just said moderate outbreak and he finished as the tight end three. Um, he had 78 receptions, 808 yards, and eight touchdowns, which is phenomenal for a tight end. Um, the reason why I say moderate breakout is there wasn't a lot of flash with Schultz. You know what I mean? There was consistent 10-yard chunk plays, but he never really had like a lot of breakaways. He wasn't flashy. He didn't have like those big plays like Andrews, like Kelsey, like Pitts, yeah. like the surrounding tight ends. He didn't wow you. No. And uh, a lot of that coming from like he he was slowly becoming a favorite target of Dak Prescott last season, but he only had an 18% target share. Um now with Guys like Amari Cooper gone, um, James Washington heading to IR, then moving on from Blake Jarwin. There's no reason why he can't get up to that 20 to 25 percent target share and see a real breakout where he can where he could eclipse the thousand yard mark. I don't see his touchdowns really going up, um, but I do see his yardage going up, and then I would consider that a full breakout. Um, I think it's pretty spot on. I think he's one of those guys that just like you said. Isn't attractive up front because he just he's bland when you watch him. Yeah. But on a tight end, we've talked about it. If it's, if they score touchdowns, we're happy. And guys, if you're fading tight end and you don't want to waste one of those top top end picks on a Kelsey, an Andrews, a Waller, a Kittle, uh, Dalton Schultz is still flying under the radar. Uh, most redraft leagues, he's going in the mid seventh round, which is a fucking steal. Because everyone else around him, if y'all not aiming for a quarterback, y'all looking at guys like Eliza Mitchell, uh, Josh Jacobs, uh, Antonio Gibson right now. Um, for wide receivers, y'all looking at, you know, subpar guys that might have a breakout. Granted, I'm extremely high on Brandon Ayuk, but he's going in that round. Uh, guys like fucking, uh, I'm drawing a blank, wide receiver in Minnesota, Adam Thielen. Uh, guys like that are going around him right now. Uh, the only people in the seventh, eighth round that I would take over Blake Jarwin is the hopefuls, like the Chris you Godwin mean, or the Michael Schultz. Thomas. Yeah, Dalton Schultz, my bad. <laughs> uh, but that being said, like I said, he's a, a perfect mid-round target for a tight end. Absolutely. Now, if you do want to go for a top-tier tight end, let me tell you about my boy Darren Waller. Out, you know. In the Vegas Raiders. I am the walrus. Cuckoo, so, ka 
I mean, I don't know if the walrus would be a good animal to represent you in football. Mm-hmm. Be slow as fuck. I'm big too. But them tusks, boy. <laughs> you ain't stopping him, boy. But them tusks. No, Darren Waller has been has been called a receiver in a tight end's body, and he's been used as such. I mean, last year he had an off year, only played 11 games due to injury, 55 catches on 93 targets with two touchdowns. Still finishes a top 20 tight end though, at tight end 17, and he's projected as the tight end five. And I'll be honest, I see that as his floor yes. because you know in 2020 he finished 100 with 107 receptions on 145 targets. Uh, just shy of twelve of twelve hundred yards with eleven ninety six and nine touchdowns, which is what you want out of. Or, well, that's what you asked you for want out, of out of a receiver. receiver. One. Yeah. If you get that out of your top receiver, yeah, he had a good year. Yeah. You know, so yes, they added Devontae Adams, so obviously the target share is going to be spread out differently. But to me, you know, aside from the fact that he already has the chemistry with uh, with Carr, there's just simply for for football's sake. No way a guy as athletic as Darren Waller, if he stays healthy, is not at worst the number five tight end in the league. I I completely agree. The only skepticism I have on Darren Waller is right now is he is going into the season with an injury. Um, and the stats that you just pulled up was pre-Hunter Renfro breakout and rookie uh, for Henry Ruggs. Uh, granted, Henry Ruggs is no longer in the picture. And Renfro did break out last year while Waller was injured. Um, but you said you see it as a floor. I see it more as a median. Like, I, I would expect him to hit the 1,200-yard mark this year. Hands down, eight, nine touchdowns, no problem. Um, I don't see him doing much more than that. But I am still taking him as a top, top-end top tight end. I also wanted to add, uh, I meant to put, he only caught a whopping two out of ten end zone targets last year, which which contributed to his two touchdowns. So I think that I almost feel like, to me, the yardage will be less and the touchdowns will be more for the fact that I don't see Hunter Renfro as a reliable red zone target because mm-hmm. he's built like a substitute teacher. He's built. He's the Julian Edelman right now. Yeah, which he wasn't. Which Edelman wasn't. The red zone guy. No, they, he, they had, he was a lot of catches, a lot yeah, of yards. Get you to the get yeah. get you to the red zone. I think for the end zone, you're going to see it go to Devontae and mainly Waller because of how how athletic and mismatched he'll be. So I wouldn't be surprised to see 10, 11, 12 touchdowns and you know that thousand yard mark, maybe you know closer to eleven hundred. But I think he's going to be maybe tight end six, but I think five with potential to be four or three. Now, if you're not feeling like, you know, taking that top guy and you like Sean's idea of fading someone, let me give you someone else that's a complete sleeper by everywhere I've read and by my standards too, Gerald Everett over at the no longer San Diego Chargers. Um, He's just, I'm not going to spit stats at you with him except for the fact that from weeks 10 through 16 of last year when Russell Wilson returned, he was the tight end nine. Jared Cook, who was old as fuck last year, finished as a tight end 16 on that team. Yeah. Which, by you know, with how athletic you know Gerald Everett is, he's poised for a breakout in his third season, which is when tight, which is when you statistically see tight ends breakout. I see, I see a you know 16 as his floor with the potential of of you know maybe kissing the top 10. I think he's athletic. I think he's he's shown the flashes of being able to handle it. I don't think he'll get 
the targets to, to, to keep him in, in a top 10 because of just the weapons around him on that team. But I think he's being slept on this year. People aren't even drafting him. He's being left in, in free He's being agents. left for dead. So I think if you really want to fade tight end, you can just say fuck it. And I think he's one of the guys that are really going to surprise the people. Kind of like how no one thought Jaseki would do shit last year. And he came out was quietly one of the most reliable yeah. tight ends. Uh, Gerald Everett is one of those guys that if I have a top 10 uh, reliable tight end that I've drafted, like a Waller, like a Kittle, um, Pitts, any one of those guys, even a Goddard or an Ertz, I'm not taking him. Um, the only way I will take an Everett is if I take a late round flyer on a, a hopeful oh, tight yeah. end like an Irv Smith or even like a Logan Thomas Evan or Ingram. Tyler Higby, Evan Ingram. It, the only way I'm drafting Everett is if I take a late round tight end and I want that security of having two so maybe one of them breaks yeah. out. Or if, you, you know, if you're really high on Cole Komet and you make him your number one. Exactly. You know, absolutely, draft him as a flyer if you take a flyer. Yep. More, right? Back to my tight end, which we all know is super duper tight. You love talking about your tight end. I do. Uh, we're going to jump back to the Arizona Cardinals. I'm going to mention real quick, Trey McBride, the rookie out there. He was 22. He was, the, he was the first tight end selected in the 2022 draft. Uh, right now, he's currently dealing with a back injury that has had him limited throughout the preseason. So we really don't know what this kid's role is going to be. We don't know how they're going to use him. Um, he's definitely worth a stash in deep bench formats and uh, redraft. But I'm 100% taking him in Dynasty, and that's why I wanted to mention him. Um, because Zach Ertz is getting old. He's 31. Uh, the only other top-end tight end that's outproducing Ertz and that's older than Ertz is Kelsey, and that dude is a surefire Hall of Famer. Um, but in my eyes, it's only a matter of time before McBride takes that role from Ertz. Um, so if you do draft him, draft him for what he can do in the future and not what he can do for you right now. Um but we'll move up to Zach Ertz. Uh, he's 31. He finished last season as the tight end five. Uh, he's had nothing but like top 10 tight end finishes with five of his last nine nine seasons being played. Wow, I'm starting to fuck up my words. Feeling like um, me, aren't you? Yep. Uh, he saw an absolute rebirth once he went back to Arizona. Uh, last season, he had 74 uh, receptions, 763 yards with five touchdowns uh seven of those games uh he had over 50 yards last season with his best game coming week 11 against seattle for eight receptions 88 yards and two touchdowns um again just like this is a common theme with most of the tight ends we're talking about if you miss out on a tight end early and need a reliable every week player zach ertz fits fits that mold late in the draft to kind of play to your mcbride um mention as well and with Ertz, everything you said is correct i love zach Ertz. the only concerns for me are his age they brought in a young guy already to potentially kind of learn some stuff but I'm, i've read a report and i was kind of showing it to you a little bit that Ertz isn't a lock for week one no. because he's been dealing with an ankle injury and i i stress the ankle injury because especially a big man at his age trying to move fast it's very easy to re-aggravate 
and even and even if even if you don't reaggravate it, are you going to be coming back at 100% for the remainder of the season or are you going to be playing at about 85-90 so you don't reaggravate? Now, since we're talking about Zach Ertz last, it only feels appropriate to discuss the dude named after the dog from Jimmy Neutron. Goddard? Dallas Goddard, baby. Dallas Goddard. The guy that, for a couple seasons, was, you know, the tight end two in Philly, but would still have the flash games of tight end one every every couple games. People could not wait for the Philadelphia Eagles to either move on from Goddard or move on from Ertz. Because when fantasy they were to, Yeah, fantasy-wise, when they were together... They just weren't using them accordingly, and they neither one of them was reliable while they were playing together. No, you almost you almost needed to, to draft them both and play one on your flex and one at the tight end because yeah. one of them was going to have a big game. <laughs> one of them was going to have three to four catches. Exactly. Um, so Dallas Goddard went the fuck off last year once, once Zach Ertz was traded after the seven games. Finished the year as a tight end eight. Through 15 games, he had 56 catches out of 76 uh, fucking targets. Thank you. 830 yards and four touchdowns. Like I said, finished tight end eight. He's projected to finish tight end seven. And, you know, from what I see around him, as far as his team and rankings around him on the tight ends, I think that's kind of where he'll be. He might be up a spot, might be down a spot. But if if, if everything we said about Jalen Hurts is true with him learning to stay more in the pocket and trust his, his players you know, and his teammates around him, I think you're going to see Dallas Goddard just – get you know get the more you know you might see him kind of get close to 900 to 900 yards but i think you'll see that touchdown go more up to you know five six seven I, honestly i think he'd, he'll be closer to the eight touchdown range because you'll see aj brown getting him down there and then hurts trusting you know that big zone bitch in the end zone see you like goddard like we talked about off air uh with the addition of aj brown to that team and the breakout from devonta smith um i think jalen hurts much like Tua is going to struggle to feed all these mouths, and I think the tight end in both of them uh, are going to be the odd man out, that being Goddard and Jacecki. Um Goddard, I still think, is a viable tight end. He'll still finish top 10 tight end, but I don't think he's going to be what everyone's expecting him to be this season. You just had to shoot on Jacecki too, didn't you? you had to just... I, had, I had to throw it in there. Just because you're talking... Yeah, you know, real quick, fuck him, too. Yeah, just because I'm talking to you. Just real quick, fuck him, too. <laughs> Now that we are all done talking about tight ends, we're going to talk about wide receivers, son. Open up that gap. (laughs) If you guys haven't noticed, I'm covering all of Dallas and Arizona, so I'm going to kick it off with Dallas. Uh, James Washington uh, went to Dallas from Pittsburgh and was slated as the wide receiver three on their depth chart. However, he is now on injured reserve for the season. Uh, I just wanted to mention that real quick in case you do have him in any format. To Don't. Drop his ass. Get rid of him. Move him. It's not even worth moving to an IR slot. because he's, he's not just, coming back. He's not coming back. He's not irrelevant. Uh, he is irrelevant. Um, Jalen Tol- Tolbert has since taking the reins as the wide receiver three. Uh, he's the rookie in Dallas. He's 23. Uh, he's rostered in 95% of leagues. That just says the fantasy community as a whole sees the upside and believes in this kid and what he can do. Uh, He did have strong showings in rookie minicamp. He did have great practices. However, he has had an extremely shaky preseason, and a lot of that can just be chalked up to a learning curve coming into the NFL with having to adjust to like game speed, uh, more complex plays, 
and just simply playing with the best of the best. Um, definitely worth a late round stash in any kind of redraft to keep a league. Um, in Dynasty, pick his ass up, throw him on your taxi squad. Just like I've said about other players coming in as rookies, you, you're going to want this kid for what he can do in the future and not what he can do right now. Um, and quite frankly, there is just better options at wide receiver in the rookie draft class than Jalen Tolbert. However, I do really like Jalen Tolbert. I want to put a caveat to something that, that you'll, in, in case you haven't noticed throughout at least my um, episodes, I know Sean's definitely a, a fan of rookies. This year, at least from what I'm, you know, I can see, there's a lot more rookies that it looks like you know are going to have a chance for fantasy, fantasy relevance across the board, whether it be some quarterbacks, but mainly some receivers and running backs. I mean, we're seeing a lot of teams and you know, reports are coming out that a lot of teams are giving rookies chances early on, you know, and they're competing for whether it be a receiver two or receiver three or, or, or you know, running back one, running back two on the team. I think a lot of that has to do with, too, the recent rookie classes. Typically in, like, years past, you see the rookies come in and they're hopefuls and you know it's going to take two to three years for them to fully break out. But with teams giving rookies more and more chances, like a Jefferson, like a Chase, uh, even a T. Higgins, Waddle. Uh, Waddle, Najee Harris, you know, Jonathan Taylor. Nikhil Harry. All these guys. <laughs> <laughs> I had to throw all, man. <laughs> all, all, all these, you know, high-class rookies coming in, it's, it's getting harder and harder for these teams just to put these guys on the back burner. Um, I wouldn't even say that it's harder. It's I would say it's more so that the rookies are coming out more ready, ready. To go. yeah. yeah. So I say they're they're not coming out with the same learning curve they used to have. So whether that is college football getting closer to you know NFL play, whether that's the caliber of player coming out, whatever it is, you're not seeing them have to set out the season or two to understand the playbook and and how the NFL works. Yeah. Uh, that being said, uh, a guy that we were waiting to break out is the next guy I'm going to talk about. It was Michael Gallup, and uh, last year I actually drafted him. With C.D. Lamb in the same team, uh, I had high hopes. For you were high as fuck high on Michael Gallup last year. Uh, burned me week one. Uh, he did get injured week one, uh, but he had a decent start against a solid Tampa defense. Uh, he played 60% of the snaps. He did have seven targets. He only turned that into four receptions for 36 yards. Um. But towards the end of the game, before he got injured, he really started to like turn it on and show that upside. Um, he did come back week 10, but we really didn't see any work until week 11 where he finally got back on the field for 90 plus percent of the snaps. Uh, he did have one game last season where he capped 106 yards against Vegas, but then he went right down week 17 with a torn ACL that ended his season. Um, he was projected in the offseason to come back mid-November. However, he did avoid going on the pup and it looks like he may start week one may start week two the latest uh jerry jones as we all know he's extremely reliable uh did, <laughs> did come out and say that if dallas was playing in the super bowl <laughs> sorry <laughs> uh, did come out and say that if dallas was playing in the super bowl michael gallup would be suited up and playing today considering they haven't played in the Super Bowl since the 90s, he'd be like two years old, so I yeah. disagree with that. Uh, he's slated to be the wide receiver, too, with Cooper gone and with no real competition behind him outside of Tolbert and Washington being done for the season as well. It looks like Michael Gallup will be the wide receiver, too. Um, 
I like him. Late round dart throw. Not much more I can say about it. You got any input? The only thing I would put is, for me, um, I, I'm not 100% sure if I'm comfortable taking uh, either Gallup or Tolbert right now for the simple fact that I can't decide which one I like more. Yeah. I think if I had to put a gun to my head and pick, um, I'd say Tolbert for the simple fact that I like the young upside on him more. Without and, the injury. And I think Gallup's... The, it wasn't just that he had one of the two. He got injured twice in the season. Yeah. So that's a lot to come back from. I um, believe, if I'm not mistaken, it was a high ankle sprain week one. Which we just talked about. Yeah. S- suck. Yep. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I think if you're, if you're comfortable taking the flyer. Absolutely. I see, I see either of them as, you know, as, you know, the upside. I, I, I think they're literally 50-50 to me. Uh, sticking with the Dallas wide receivers. Uh, we have uh, a top-tier wide receiver that, in my opinion, is being overlooked because of other guys in this class. Uh, he's being overlooked because, you know what I mean, like you said, we, we have the Justin Jeffersons, the Jamar Chase, the Devontae Adams, all these guys with the big names, the big production going off in front of them. Uh, we're going to talk about C.D. Lamb real quick. He's 23, six foot two. finished last season as the wide receiver 19. And that was on a struggling Dallas offense. Um, He averaged 14.55 fantasy points per game. Uh, He did miss week 12 after getting injured week 11 against the Chiefs. Uh, Seven games last year, he had 80 or more yards. Three out of those seven, he had over 100 yards. With his uh, his best game that season coming... Week six against New England in New England for 149 yards. Uh, if he continues to play at his current pace, he's a solid wide receiver to on any team. Um, but with no more Amari Cooper, uh, no James Washington, no Blake Jarwin, um, a healthy Dak Prescott, and a, a healthy supporting cast around him, uh, there's no reason why he can't finish in the top five. Uh, he's playing in one of the fastest moving offenses in the league with a top quarterback to boot. Uh, there's no reason why this man can eclipse the 1400 yard mark with eight to 10 touchdowns. And that's just my personal opinion. So you and I were both high on CD lamb last year as a receiver two on his team. I think now everything I've read and obviously there's likelihood versus possibility. The likelihood of him doing this isn't as high as, you know, as I'd like, but the possibility of him, you know, being a, you know, a receiver three, definitely. Receiver one is there. I mean, <clears throat> like you said with Dak Prescott, before he got hurt, he was on pace to smash fucking records. Yeah, dude, Dak can fucking sling it, if, and he's accurate. If Dak can come out and, I mean, he, he always starts the season hot and then something weird happens. If he can come out and start the season hot and maintain... And C.D. Lamb can live up to the hype that everyone's writing about, reporting about, and talking about. There's zero reason why he won't be a, a top three, guaranteed top five in my opinion. Yeah. But why, if you know, if barring Dak Prescott coming out and just fucking balling out, he couldn't be a number one in the yeah. league. I mean, again, is it likely? Not really. Is it possible? Absolutely. He's one of the guys that he's he's on the outer stretch of this. But he's, in, he's still in the realm of being a top guy. CeeDee Lamb is the perfect <clears throat> opportunity wide receiver. If you're in like the first four or five picks of your draft 
and you take like a Christian McCaffrey, a Derrick Henry, or even a Jonathan Taylor, it's more than likely CD Lamb makes it back to you at that turn, uh, late second round. And that, and that, in my opinion, is a fucking steal to immediately start off the draft with a top five running back and then cap it with a potential top five wide receiver. Absolutely. All right. So since we, uh, you know, just trash this, you know, a guy on this team for a good a good portion of this podcast so far. I want to take a minute and put some respect on his name. Put some spec on my name. And I'll talk, free y'all. Put and, some spec on my name. Bourbon. And talk about the receivers <laughs> from the from the Vegas Raiders. Do you ever see that clip? Oh, yeah. He's absolutely. all pissed off and he's at his radio. <laughs> put some spec on my name. Well, th- this man earned it last year. Okay, I'm talking about the, the receiving core for the Raiders, the Vegas slash Oakland Raiders, depending on who you ask. L.A. We're starting. We're starting with. Uh, I'm sorry, but if there was any team that needed to go to LA, it wasn't the Rams. It wasn't the fucking Chargers. It should have been the Raiders. I hear you, Oakland. But they're in Vegas. They're in Vegas. They're in Vegas. Yeah. They're in Vegas. They left Cali. They didn't even go SoCal. They just went. Hey, we're going to the Strip. I mean, Nevada. Nevada needed a team. They they would have been perfect for uh, the Rams. Okay, and they love strippers out there. So like, it's great. Then maybe they should have. Bought into fucking Seattle. Can you picture Oakland? Could you imagine DK Metcalf with an OnlyFans app walking down the fucking Vegas? Can trip? you can you picture Raiders fans going to Vegas? No, that's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> but no, the first guy to talk about is Hunter Renfro, because even though he looks like someone like like you would mistake for a fan, like I'm sorry, if I'm a new guy working security and he walks in forgetting his credentials, no fucking way in hell you're an athlete. Sorry, no. champ. Go drink with your with your fucking family in the parking lot. You can go to training camp after. He looks like he should be sitting <laughs> on a lounge chair at Water Country with a fucking Coors Light in his hand and his girlfriend rubbing SPF 150 on his back. I have 210% bought insurance off him. <laughs> I'm sure of it. Jake from State Farm? No, this is Hunter, Hunter Renfro yeah. from State Hunter Farm. Hunter from MetLife. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but he came out last year. And had 103 catches on 128 targets, nine touchdowns, and 1,038 yards. He was a re- he was a receiver ten. You know what else he had? A great extended warranty on your car. Oh yeah, but he will need to sell you four tires first. <laughs> you get the fifth one free. A spare. No, but here's the thing. He, he goes from the receiver ten last year. His projection is receiver 35 this year. Yeah, that's because all the odds makers and projections, they're like, oh, it's not going to happen again. He broke out as, like we said, the Julian Edelman, the great slot wide receiver. He was, and again, I've said it before, I haven't given my little caveat today. Every ranking I give is PPR based. Because if I sat here and gave you all the rankings, I'd just be throwing way too many numbers at you and myself. It's just a lot easier to go full PPR because that's the the trending <coughs> motion of the fantasy world right now is to stray away from standard and even half point PPR and just go full PPR. And now, with that comparison to Julian Edelman, I want now. Do I think he'll have nine touchdowns? Maybe. I think you might see that drop with that Waller and and Adams combo. Yeah. What I think you'll see, just like with Edelman. He'd finish with fucking 10, 11, 12 catches for a shit ton of yards and no touchdowns because he marched you down the field. I fully think that Hunter Renfro is going to be that slot guy that catches it and gets you that 9, 10 yards every catch until you get to the red zone and they focus on the bigger bodies. So I'm still, you know, do I think Hunter Renfro will finish as receiver 35? Absolutely not. I find it 
I find it shocking if you can go from 103 catches to the receiver 35. Which would be like, what, 65 <clears throat> catches? Maybe. I just, I love Hunter Renfro. I think he's a great, especially in PPR format. I think he's a great option, and you're getting him at a steal. Yeah, I don't love him by any means, but at this point, 103 catches, you have to respect him. I mean, a guy that's going to get, yeah, he's not going to get 128 targets. He's still going to get probably 100 targets. Oh, easy. Like, as the receiver, too, now, I think, I look at him as almost like a discount Jalen Waddle. And then, of course, the moment we, you know, we've all been waiting for, Aaron, you know, your favorite guy, Aaron Rodgers' best friend. What? The guy that literally said, oh, hey, Aaron, now that I've waited for you to sign your, your new contract for 50 mil, I want out this bitch. Yeah. I'm done with this drama. Let's go somewhere different. Let me go Let's back. Let's change the scenery. And let me go, kind of, because he's, he's also going back to his college quarterback, yeah. which no one's talking about. There's this new trend going around the past like two or three years. Yeah. Hey, let's get the quarterback we really trust and the guy he also really likes that did yeah. good with him. Let's get the tandem that got these guys into the NFL in the first place and just continue <laughs> it from college going forward. All right, because Devontae Adams, now granted, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to start this by saying, before I even say these numbers, we all know they're going to be high because if you watched any of the Packers last year, Aaron Rodgers threw the ball to, to two motherfuckers. Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones. And that was it. Sometimes he'd be generous, or the coach would say, hey, man, they aren't even covering Randall Cobb anymore. you got to give him one. He's a corpse of himself. And you know who else Aaron Rodgers is going to be throwing to this season? I heard this nickname, and I absolutely love it. It's called Week 1 Sammy. Oh, God. Week 1 Sammy Balls out for Week 1 and then hurts himself. Yeah, and then calls a quiz for the rest of the season and then gets paid next year to, to come out and perform Week 1. Well, his boy Devontae... Had 123 catches on 169 targets, 11 touchdowns, and I apparently just didn't write his yardage down. No? And I, I want to say it was 15-something. Devontae fucking crushed it last year. And guys, Devontae Adams, yeah, he's 29. It's a new change of scenery. It's a new coach, new playbook, etc., etc. <clears throat> but I'm so high on Devontae Adams that Moses can attest to this. In our friends and family redraft league, I wound up taking Devontae Adams in the first round at the 12th spot, and I followed that up with Stefan Diggs. You know what I mean? And I absolutely fucking love my team. I, I love that combo. I, I 100% would have done the exact same thing. I ran redraft. I, I ran some mocks after that Yeah. in our format with me as the final pick Yep. and did that same thing because that's what it felt it's, to. It just was so hard not to. I Well, I grew up, I grew up a Green Bay Packers fan thanks to my uncle loving Brett Favre. And I've stayed at least interested in the team. We both fucking love Devontae. Oh, yeah. So, and I looked it up. 1,553 yards last year. So, he finished as the receiver two. Projected as a receiver five. He has never... He, since 2018, he has not finished worse than receiver five. Yeah. And the only reason, if I'm not mistaken, why... He finished lower in his first couple of years in the season is because Aaron Rodgers is one of those trust needy you quarterbacks. And when Devontae first came in on that team, he still had Jordy Nelson. He still had Randall Cobb. So Devontae was an afterthought until those guys moved on. And coincidentally, um, didn't Aaron Rodgers' favorite wide receiver back then also go to the Raiders? Did, didn't Jordy Nelson go to the Raiders? And play little, with Derek Carr? Little different circumstances. Yeah, I mean, he was shipped off because of age and all that and shit. And breaking his legs like four times. <laughs> but, but. Deva- which is not Devontae. No. Now, again, will he get 170 targets? No. 
I think, but I think you'll see him come down to like the 125, 130. If he gets 120 targets, he'll have 100 catches. Yeah. If you have 100 catches, you're receiver one. I'm just saying this, FGT Nation. If Devontae Adams being in Oak, uh, yeah, Oakland, being in Vegas, be, being in Vegas right now with Derek Carr, if he makes Derek Carr the MVP based off of their play of the 2022 season, I'm putting an asterisk, a big ass one, maybe even multiple ones next to both back to back. I might even draw a star for Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> that just it, it just it, it should just say Aaron Adams. We'll call him the AA. Yeah, people talk about Devontae Adams being 29 years old, like he's shown any sign of regression, and this guy has just done nothing but continue to fucking dominate. Yes, I understand you had a quarterback feeding you an, yeah. uh, an insane amount. But you have to be that good yeah, in you, order to get yeah, fed. He justified it. It wasn't like they were feeding fucking Devontae Parker over here. Yeah. They're feeding a guy who was who was balling out and being the top guy. Yeah. So that being said, FGT Nation, like I said, Devontae Adams, I've got no problem taking him in the first, especially at the back end turn. On a and, bigger, on yeah, a big, oh, in a bigger league. Yeah, 12, if it's an eight man team, league. don't fucking. Yeah, if it's an eight team <laughs> league, you're taking him at the end of the second. Yeah, let's be real. But realistically, he should be one of the one of the first five, if not one of the first three, if not one of the first five off receivers off the board. Oh, I completely agree. All right, ladies and gentlemen, and FGT Nation. Now we're going to talk about a team that, uh, you know, we've we've been pretty high on. Pretty high. Pretty Literally. <laughs> Giggity. No, uh, it's a team that actually, I'm a little controversial on one of the guys. But we, we did say we... You're we, controversial we talk on about everything. Him, you know, I mean, football it's players, bisexuality, you name it. Yeah. No, Everything, uh, everything's up for debate. Oh, oh, I love to debate. I'll fucking debate all day. I hate it, man. <laughs> Fuck you. No, uh, the, the Chargers, all right? They have a team that I want to like their whole receiving core so badly. And I do, but clearly where you're going is you don't. I, I'm i just hesitant on one guy in, in particular, and I'll save him for last. I'm, I'm going to touch on Josh Palmer because I had said that I, I had a little fun fact for him. Um, he, he only had 33 catches last year, but it was for 353 yards and four touchdowns. He averaged 10.7 yards a, a catch. And I read something earlier today, I think reports came out on September 2nd, that per Justin Herbert, in an interview, he was asked about him, and he described him as an insane talent, a like super physical guy, and he foresees him getting a lot of targets this year. And he's getting a lot of hype around the fantasy community. Like, I hear a lot of positive things about him from other podcasters as well, even, like, the big names, like um, Matthew Berry... Or anyone from like the fantasy footballers, like I hear a lot of good things about this kid. You know, I guess I won't save my, my controversial guy for last because I think that if this if the the big name guy doesn't perform the way everyone expects, you could see Josh Palmer as a dark horse, you know, receiver too. Because the second guy is Mike Williams. And I want to like Mike Williams so bad. I want bad. Mike Williams to learn how to fall down after the catch. That's the thing. He just, I feel, because he doesn't get seriously hurt. No. But, but he, he plays a great three quarters of football spread out between four quarters. Yeah. And that bothers me. Because it just, I'm, you know, I'd rather have to deal with the injuries with like a bigger, like with bigger upside. Granted, Mike Williams has the upside. I mean, he, he played 16 games last year, surprisingly. 
He had 76 catches on 129 targets. Would have liked to see more catches on that, but still had nine touchdowns. He finished as the receiver 12, and he's projected to, you know, regress a little bit as the receiver 18. He's only had 2,000-yard seasons since joining the league. He was the receiver, too, through the first five weeks of 2021 because I remember he came out and just fucking balled out. He came down in that week. I remember that play, too. He came down in the end zone, and he hurt his knee. Yeah. And he played through that injury for the remainder of the season. But you could see he looked like shit. Yeah, you could tell he was hurt, and you could tell he was hobbled. You could tell that, like I said, when he went down with the ball, that he was very cautious and just kind of went to the ground, didn't fight for anything extra, tried to protect his body. But Now, when you read it, too, because he's kind of been known prior to you know, the past season or two as just like the deep threat, but he was actually sixth in red zone targets last year. He was five of 16 for red zone, so end zone tar- targets, technically. Yeah. Um, you know, so it, obviously if he was to raise that, you might see him be more of the a touchdown heavy like a Mike Evans or an Adam Thielen, but to me it's just that the is, the issue with well, a combination of the issue with the fact that he just seems to miss time during games all the time, and I can't trust that out of anything more than a flex in my opinion because you want consistency in your in your receiver one and two, but also I mean just two guys ranked below him right now are Terry McLaurin and Brandon Cooks who I both think will finish higher than him. For the simple fact that not only are they they are they the receiver one on their team, but we both have talked about Terry McLaurin being just an absolute fucking beast, and Brandon Cooks being just a, like that quiet dark horse guy. You're really hoping that Mike Williams can maintain as that receiver too, with Josh Palmer now breathing down his back. If he starts to get hurt and miss time, and Palmer succeeds, or if Williams starts to lag and Palmer's doing good. Who's to say you're not going to see that receiver two, receiver three swap on the depth chart? See, I'm on the different end of the spectrum with Mike Williams. I have a lot of hope and high upside for him going into the season. Uh, he did have a rough start <laughs> to the uh, There's a snow globe on the floor. Apparently, I kicked a snow globe yeah. in the studio, guys. Sorry. Um, but Mike Williams did have a rocky start to you know his NFL career. He did get drafted with a broken back. My man Mike Tyson did and came in with a back injury. Um, so he was slow to start his rookie year. Uh, his sophomore year, he did show flashes. Last year, he did dominate, like we said, weeks one through five before he came down with the knee injury. Uh, he did get paid the bag. Uh, and a lot of the times, like we've said in other episodes, you got to follow the money with these guys. And right now, it looks like with old man Keenan Allen starting to show regression and purely becoming that volume wide receiver, it looks like Mike Williams is primed to take over as the wide receiver one and the main receiving role in that entire, you know, Chargers offense. Uh, Mike Williams, I think, is a steal if you can get him in, like, the fourth, fifth round. Uh, If you tend to fade wide receivers and go running back heavy and follow it up with a a tight end or a quarterback, I think Mike Williams is more than suitable to be taken as your wide receiver one, and you should feel confident about it. So, apparently, I just forgot. I, I just didn't want to write down stats. Uh, for a couple guys, uh, I wanted to add Williams had 1,146 yards through the air. It was his second 1,000-plus receiving yard uh, thing. Now, if you're talking if you're talking dynasty, I absolutely agree with taking Williams over Allen because his upside is so much more. We haven't, we might not have seen Williams' ceiling yet, whereas we've seen Keenan Allen's ceiling, and he's, he's, he's on the downswing of his career. For you to sit here and tell me that he has 
some serious regression. Makes me want to smack the fucking taste out of your mouth, sir. Put some fucking... Speaking of putting respect on names, the final receiver on my fucking list is Keenan Allen, and you will put some motherfucking respect on his name, okay? Keenan Allen, through 16 games last year, had 106 catches for 100, 106 catches on 157 targets for 1,138 yards and six touchdowns. Finished as a receiver 11. He's projected as a receiver nine this year. So even though even I had him, you know, in my top 10 as a sneak, fucking professionals agree with me. Every year since 2017, barring one year in 2018, he's had 100 catches. In 2018, he had 97. All right. Boo. So he's volume. That's, if we're talking a PPR league, them moving Keenan Allen to the slot was the was the oh, it's gonna, was, it's gonna was a gift create longevity for was his a career. gift yeah. for fantasy. I I don't Keenan I haven't seen Keenan Allen regress in, in in the slot position quite frankly yet. He still had a hundred you know hundred catches, eleven hundred yards. The touchdowns weren't there. I think at least in a redraft format. Or you know, keep or anything like that for you know, one, like season by season. Keenan Allen still outranks Williams and Palmer to me for the consistency factor. I'm not taking him as a receiver one. I I think if you can get Keenan Allen as your receiver two, he is just gonna be oh I, unfucking I, real because you can put him in there and know that he's gonna get you the ten fucking catches or the eight catches, the good yards, and if you're lucky, a touchdown or two. See, I I feel good about Keenan Allen as my wide receiver too. I don't feel good about him as my wide receiver one. No. I do feel good if I have Mike Williams as my wide receiver one. No. That being said, I think Mike Williams outperforms Keenan Allen this year. On a touchdown basis, I think so. But I think, I think touchdowns, I think, I think Allen's going to have the catches. I think, I think Allen has the catches, but I think Mike Williams has the yardage and the touchdowns. I think if he beats him in the yardage, it'll be similar to this year where it's not by much. I mean, if there's literally it, an eight yard difference. It's not by much, right? But you had a fully healthy Keenan Allen for the entire season. Oh, no, I understand You had that. an injured Mike Williams from week six to the end of the year. Who's to say that we're going to have him? You know, well, we can't predict injuries. Yeah, we though. can't predict injuries. I know. I'm just. I, I, I just think had he been healthy the whole season. And also the fact that that's his only thousand yards. It's his only. Sorry. He's only had two seasons above 756 yards. And like I said, he came in with major injuries. But again, we can't predict injuries. No, we're just trying to predict what a healthy version of these oh, yeah. players can do next season or this upcoming I just, season. I like Keenan. I like I like Williams. Just like you know, I like Chark. Yeah, well, that's because you also like dudes. I mean, who doesn't? I'm a dude. He's, He's a dude. dude. We're a dude. dude. We're, we're all dudes. dudes. Jumping back to your boy Postman Sean, we're gonna touch on the Arizona wide receiving core. Uh, first off, Mr. Irrelevant of the Arizona Cardinals is Mr. AJ, AJ Green. Green. See, see how I knew you were going to say that? Because it's just correct. It is. You know what I mean? He's 34. Uh, he finished as the wide receiver 41. He's nothing more than a bye week hopeful. Uh, someone that you can grab off of waivers in just about every single league out there. Uh, once Hopkins comes back from suspension, AJ Green won't even be worth a bench spot. Uh, that's coming from an AJ Green fan. Like I fucking love this. How did that feel to Cincy. say? It felt gross. Like I feel like I just I ate fast food and I'm I'm just lethargic. 
Like, I, I, I didn't like that at all. AJ Green, man, if you don't do anything this year, just hang up the cleats. Please. And that hurts, because, like, it hurts, I still dude. remember I the AJ a, Green oh, of old, bro. I fucking loved AJ Green, and I loved the Red Rifle when they were doing in Cincy, dude. Like, I love watching them play. And just... People forget about that. They, yeah, they forget how good AJ Green was and just how far he has fallen. But, I mean, it, it, it still does say a lot that he's still somewhat relevant in the league on the field, but... AJ Green, I'm not touching him. Next guy up, uh, I will draft, but he's one of those guys that if I draft and he performs great in the first half of the season, I'm trading him immediately to try and get something in return. And that's a uh, second year sophomore, Rondell Moore. Get what I said there, Moore Moore? I see what you did there. Yeah, he's 22. Uh, he finished last year as the wide receiver 67. He had 54 receptions for 435 yards and a touchdown. Uh, these are not, and I repeat, are not amazing numbers. But as a rookie trying to find his way last season and showing small bursts, as well as like a stat line of seven receptions for 114 yards and a touchdown in week two, um, right now, Rondell Moore is primed to assume the wide receiver two role while Hopkins is out. Uh, this should provide, like, great value late in the draft for the first six weeks. Once Hopkins comes back, uh, Moore then becomes nothing more than... <laughs> more and more. Uh, he becomes nothing more than, like, a, a matchup-based flex option, uh, bi-week fill-in. Um, the only upside I can see from this suspension with Hopkins and the possibility to see Rondell Moore take over for six weeks is this is going to give us a great sample size of what he can become in the future and help predict a breakout or a non-breakout once, you know, Hollywood... Ah, uh, yeah, Hollywood. Once DeAndre Hopkins decides to hang up the cleats or falls off a cliff. Uh, you got any input? I was, gonna, I was pretty much just going to say the whole DeAndre Hopkins thing was basically, you know, if by chance Hopkins comes back and he's not the DeAndre Hopkins he was... If Ron, you know, if Rondell Moore can take this these six games to really show that he's the guy they want him to be, yeah, it would make it a lot easier for them to transition to Hollywood Brown and Rondell Moore like than guess, would yeah. to force DeAndre Hopkins to be relevant. If he, do I think he will be? Absolutely. But I'm saying, if worst case scenario for Arizona, he, he comes back and those those PEDs, you know, weren't really you know performance enhancing, then if this if this young guy who's 22 can capitalize on the more opportunities he's getting. I had to fit a more in there. Yeah. I felt left out. <laughs> um, then I think this could be a good chance for him. I, I'm i willing to take a late-round flyer on him just for the upside uh, he has early early in the season. And if he comes out and just is absolutely nasty... If he can play like I'm he did probably, in week two... I'm probably going to flip him. Yeah. If he can come out and show us what he did in week two, his rookie season... With that seven receptions for 114 yards and a touchdown. So we know he's got it in him. Um, but that being said, like, it's just a big question mark in front of him when Hopkins does come back. Like, what happens with Rondell? And I'm not willing to hold on that card. You know what I mean? I, oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm taking the production for the first couple of weeks. And if he does perform, I'm trying to go out and get someone that I know is going to be reliable and startable for the rest of the season. Uh, his counterpart to start the season will be wide receiver one temporarily in my eyes uh, Marquise Hollywood Brown he is 25 reuniting with his college quarterback in Kyla Murray 
Uh, Hollywood Brown did leave the Ravens last year in a trade request. Um, he wanted to go find a more suitable offense for what he can do on the field because it just wasn't clicking in Baltimore. Um, that being said, that trade was not based off of, you know, um, turmoil in the locker room or just Hollywood sucking or anything like that. Um, I also don't see any kind of like a, a reduction in a role once Hopkins comes back for Hollywood like we do see with Rondo. Um, purely because Murray is capable of supporting uh, two top-end wide receivers with, you know, high-ceiling potentials. Uh, Marquise Hollywood Brown could very well finish as, you know, a top-end wide receiver, too, playing behind Hopkins in this offense. Oh, see, I love Hollywood Brown. The only concerns I have is I've watched reports where they say they're worried about his drops on, on the long ball. I think that was more so ball placement than yeah. anything else. Because he's um, fast, and like very fast, so you got to be able to hit him in stride. He makes fast people look not fast. Yeah. Yeah, no, and that's what it is, is he's going so fast that if you can't hit him in stride and you don't have that connection, and a lot of the times Lamar Jackson was evading people and trying to hit him, yeah. whereas Kyler Murray will run, but he tends to want to stop and throw if he can. Yeah. I think Kyler Murray is more studious as far as, you know, really working on the extra stuff, like the timing component. And I'm not shitting on Lamar Jackson with this. Yeah. But I'm just saying that Lamar is so athletic that he doesn't need to. Yeah. You know, he's built like a fucking athlete. It's, you know, if you're a soccer fan, it's like the Messi-Ronaldo comparison of the two guys that have the same skill set, but one's built like it, one's not. Yeah, exactly. So the guy that's not built like it has to make up for it by putting in the extra work. So I think that you'll see Murray put in that extra work to really match that that stride because if you can manage to time it with Marquise Brown, and we, we've you, seen the you timing. have a fucking lightning bolt. Yeah, we've seen the timing and the connection and what they could do because they did play college ball together. And, you know, if they can carry what they did in college over to what they can do in Arizona, then, like I said, it's all wheels up on Hollywood. Uh, I love him. I take him as a wide receiver, too. Uh, no hesitation. Uh, the guy playing in front of him or hopefully playing in front of him when he comes back from the PED suspension is DeAndre Hopkins. Our man is 30 years old. Uh, he finished last season as wide receiver 45. Uh, he finished with six wide receiver 14 or higher finishes with last season and his rookie season being the worst finishes of his career. Um, rookie, uh, he did finish as the wide receiver 50, but that was playing on a putrid Houston Texans offense and also playing behind Andre Johnson. Are you trying to say that Houston at one point had a putrid offense? They still do. Hey! They always have. Hey! They get these studs out there and they just don't know how to run the offense. With hey! Them. It's not I mean? their fault that Arian Foster yeah. is too good for them to know how to use. Yeah, if Arian Foster played anywhere else, he'd have a Super Bowl ring. If, if Andre Johnson played anywhere else, he'd have a fucking Super Bowl ring. Um, but he did have one down season in 2016 with a wide receiver 26 finish. I chalked that up to just, you know, I think it was the coaching turnover. I think that might've been the year before Deshaun Watson, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not going to lie. I get nothing. Yeah. Where they had like Brian Hoyer and Ryan Mallett fucking wow. competing for, yeah, competing for the starting job. I think that was that year. If my memory serves me correctly. Um, but his top end, you know, fantasy finishes 
over those six stretches, we're uh, wide receiver 14, four, one, two, four, and four. So he's pretty much been consistent with finishing as a wide receiver five or higher. Um, I don't need to keep fucking showing off this guy's just Hall of Fame resume. Um, like I said, he's suspended six games for a PED violation, regardless of what's going on around that. I think he's still got plenty of le plenty left in the tank. And once he comes back to Arizona, I think he assumes that alpha role. Um, I don't think he'll be a wide receiver one like the previous years. But as a steal late in the draft, if you can hold on to him and weather the storm for those six weeks, he is definitely going to be an every, every week starting flex wide receiver two player. Hands down, no questions. If if he can come back and be the guy that he, that we all know he can, if he could be seventy percent of DeAndre Hopkins when he comes back, then he's he's a steal. Then he's a receiver too. I mean, it's he'll have I wide receiver making, one finishes, yeah. but I don't think he finishes the season because of the six game suspension and all that shit. I As, know I've been comparing a lot of people. Yeah, but I've been seeing at least in drafts that I've gone in. Guys like Michael Thomas and Chris Godwin go above Hopkins. Now, will I take Godwin above Hopkins? Absolutely. Yes, I will. Will I take Thomas above Hopkins? Probably not because Hopkins yeah. had some injuries, but at least he fucking played last year. That's he, like where I would he's draw got a, the line. Exactly. Yeah. He's got a six-game suspension, but once he comes back, he's slated to be healthy. And for a guy that's been dealing with injuries, he's getting six extra games off. And then not so, for nothing, it may, where Michael Thomas – virtually hasn't played a real snap in almost two years it might take michael thomas six games to get up to speed and for you to build enough confidence to warrant a start for him and then Whereas deandre hopkins once he comes back i'm starting him well then you gotta think and this is where i'm gonna end it so i don't deviate too much because i think hopkins has that has that tendency to be that because you know we've all said you don't win you know you don't win the draft you know you don't win your league on. at the draft. Yeah, but no, but, but there's also yeah. one I've heard where uh, like you can't win the you can't win it in the first half of your draft, but you can in the second half of your draft by taking those late round flyers because that's yeah. where you're really trying to you know make your money. Hopkins is a guy that has that potential because you got to think when he's coming back, he's not coming back to a Jameis Winston at quarterback. He's coming back to a Kyler Murray at quarterback. So he comes back yeah. to a a top quarterback yeah. throwing him the ball as his top receiver. Exactly. All right now. Sean and I are both fans of music, of all different you know, all different genres. Where you going with this? Could be some metal, could be some country. Lately, I've been on kind of like a soft rock, maybe like a little '80s kick. Yeah, what like a Bon Jovi? Similar, close. Um, you know, and it just so happened I also traveled, you know, at the same time while writing this. Right. And while I was traveling, I had to stay somewhere. So what a coincidence! I was staying at the Hotel California, jamming into the Eagles, baby. Hotel California. You see how you see how I did that? I see do. That? Yeah, I'm talking about the Eagles, and um, before I get to their second, I know we've we've usually been talking the number two guy first, but Sean and I have very differing opinions on this number two. So I'm going to read to you the number one. We're talking about my man AJ Brown. Okay. AJ Brown. Now, by people's standards, he had an off year last year for himself. And that is true for AJ Brown. He had an off year, but when I read you the numbers, you like, and for these to be an off year, it's really not. It's Dude, not sc as scary as you think. AJ Brown can fucking produce. Third, the, the only thing that hinders him is he's such a big body guy that he gets injured. 
Well, and he plays on run-heavy teams. Exactly. I mean, he he went. From, I mean, he went from Derrick Henry to, to fucking Jalen Hurts. Hurts. <laughs> like, it's still a run-heavy team, just different guy running the ball. Um, but through 13 games last year, he had 63 catches on 105 targets. So, I don't like that spread, but the targets are there. On a run-heavy team, he still got 105 targets. He had 869 yards for five touchdowns as a receiver. 32. He's projected to finish this season as a receiver. 12. And I absolutely think if, and I keep referencing this because we've talked about it so much. If all reports, this is what it all hinders on. If Jalen Hurts can come through like all reports have said and be a pocket passer, and AJ Brown gets you know plays 16 games healthy, there is no way he finishes with less than 100 catches, less than 1100 yards, and less than like seven seven eight touchdowns. Yeah, no, I completely agree. AJ Brown. I fucking love him, no matter who his quarterback is. There's quarterbacks that make wide receivers. There's wide receivers that make quarterbacks. There's quarterbacks who can do it on their own. And then there's wide receivers who can do it on their own. And A.J. Brown is a wide receiver who can do it on his own. I believe I had him last year. Yeah. I got him in a trade to, to, because it was past week three. You trade everything. That's why I said it was past week three. Yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, and like he's just he he killed it and, and and that was on a team and yes Henry got hurt so that Tannehill yeah, that wasn't so Tannehill had had to throw a little more uh, I want you to hear what I said Tannehill had to throw it a little more he wasn't getting the ball from fucking Tom Brady yep. he was getting the ball from a guy who's only still a quarterback in the league as a starter because he's on a team with Derrick Henry as the running back. If Ryan Tannehill had to fight for a position on a team like Pittsburgh or Washington or, you know, something like that, there's not a guarantee he'd make it as the starter. No, because, I mean, Ryan... It's likely. I mean, not to deviate too far, but Ryan Tannehill has always been that 20 to, you know, 15 quarterback. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's been very He won't play better. And he did that while being in Miami with uh, Devontae Parker having an emergence as a rookie. Uh, with Javis Landry, you know, breaking records for single-season receptions. Um, and then he goes to Tennessee and he plays with, you know, he's got Robert Woods now, but he played with A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, uh, John U. Smith, you know what I mean, Corey Davis before he cashed out. And Ryan Tannehill is just, he's never really produced, but A.J. Brown has, has. Fi- find, found a way to produce regardless of who's throwing him the ball. I took... Uh, I took A.J. Brown as a keeper in one of my leagues. It didn't affect draft position, so I didn't need to worry about that. Um, I think that because I want to be optimistic about Jalen Hurts being a pocket passer, I think A.J. Brown could 100% bump into the the, the, the receiver 10 discussion, if not a little higher. Yep. Speaking of A.J.'s, I just got a notification. I figured I'd share it with you. Aaron Judge of the New York Yankees just crushed home run 54. Okay, every, I just figured I'd throw it out there. Everyone's talking about the chase like it's in the 60s. Like Mark McGuire didn't hit 70 fucking two home runs. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. I don't give a fuck about the asterisks and the steroids. To deviate a little bit, I know Sean agrees too. I'm all for steroids in baseball. If you're yeah. going to be a superhuman like that, then fuck it. Hit the ball 500 feet. It's all about entertainment. If those guys are willing to put drugs into their body to do it, and they know the risk, the MLB should be aware of it. And then you should, you know, essentially have two categories when it comes to records. Well, and not for nothing, like, baseball was almost dead before the steroid ever revived it. So, I'm sorry. I had no interest 
in baseball whatsoever outside of just playing the sport as yeah, a kid until McGuire and, and, and Sosa. Yeah. So I'm sorry, Aaron Judge, you're an animal. You have to hit 73. Yeah. If you don't hit 73, you didn't break a record. Yeah. But no more AJs outside of AJ Brown right now. Okay. Like we said, I think he'll be top 10. Definitely. Okay. We're going to discuss someone that we have very differing opinions on. We I do. thought his first, first off, we differ on the fact that I thought his name was Devonte. It's Devonta. Devonta. Devonta Smith. Tuh. Not Tay. Not Tay Tay. Tuh. <laughs> it's Leviosa, not Leviosa. Say it the, right, God damn it. Yeah, no, but it was Devonta Smith. Now, I didn't even write his stats down because I don't see him as relevant because. Let me discuss with the tight end position. With Jalen, Jalen Hurts, even if he does, you know, at least for this season, tie it up a little bit and become more of a pocket passer, you can't expect him to flip completely overnight. He's still going to want to run the ball. You might just see a regression in that if you're lucky. I think you're going to see that. I think I think for this season, you'll see most of that regression come around the red zone. I think they're going to want to keep him from banging his body into all those linebackers and big guys. You see them put put, put around the line. And you'll see a guy like Goddard, you know, more than Devonta Smith benefit from that because he'll dump it off to the big man in the red zone opposed to aiming for the big, you know, the, the fast guy down the sideline of the slot. With that being said, Smith played 16 games last year, 64 of 100 catches on 104 targets, 916 yards and five touchdowns. So statistically, actually a better finish than A.J. Brown. Yeah. I think that was more so the fact that he was he was they they had no choice but to have him as a receiver one, considering Jalen Rieger was fucking terrible. I'm genuinely surprised he got traded for more than one pick. Yeah, you know what I mean, and that just makes the Amari Cooper deal look that much worse. You like, know what I mean? But like you being said, you're not that high on Devonta Smith. I am incredibly high on Devonta Smith. Um, I think he's being overlooked and kind of forgotten about in the fantasy world because there was other rookies last year that drastically outperformed him. You had Jalen Waddle breaking the rookie record for receptions. You had Chase just absolutely demolishing everything in his wake with the yardage. But if you take those two guys out of the out of the equation, Devonta Smith, hands down, should have won Offensive Rookie of the Year, in my opinion. Um, he's got nothing but upside. Uh, you're, you're high on Goddard. I think with Jalen Hurts having to pass the ball more, I think Goddard will be the odd man out. And De, uh, Devonta Smith and A.J. Brown could feature as that gorgeous one-two tandem to go along with guys like Chase and Higgins, to go along with guys like um, Ayuk and Debo Samuel, or Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. Like, I think we're going to see big things from Devonta Smith coming this year. I think he eclipses the 1,100-yard mark. I don't know too much about his red zone threat. I think that will go to Goddard, like you said. Um, but I am very high in Devonta Smith, and you can get him virtually free in all your drafts as he's going in the late rounds and being slept on and forgot about. I just, I don't know. I think it's going to come down to one of those situations where you're going to have to wait for the season to progress because it's going to come down to who suffers, Goddard or Smith. Actually, you know, I just brought up a bunch of analogies like comparing them to tandems. I think A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith, if you take the age out of it, the perfect complement of what they can do 
I think it's Keenan Allen and Mike Williams is someone who we just talked about recently. I yeah. think that's a perfect comparison of what these two guys can do on that team. More upset with that comparison. Okay, FGT Nation, we're moving on to running backs, but moving I want to touch real quickly. Uh, earlier, I had made a, a a poke at you, Moses. A boo-boo, per About se. how you trade away your fucking soul if you could, and you said week three, blah, 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 blah. What the fuck were you just doing on your phone while we took a break to transition from wide receivers to running backs? So much right. It's not even week one. In my defense, the dude approached me. Oh, can I just ask you a serious question? 34 double D. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not talking about your ball size. Oh, okay. How many trades have you made in all your leagues since the start? I have, I've only made... That's the, I made, what, the, the two in your league? You've made two in my league. Yep. Uh, how many trades did you make during the draft... And since the draft in the Dynasty League, oh, a couple, <laughs> a couple. And my, well, and listen. In my defense, I came out and said out the rip before I even joined your league. Fuck them draft picks. I'm getting rid of them as soon as I can. And I got two teams I took over that were already drafted. All right, and, and did were trash. Did you make trades? Absolutely. <laughs> if the I, dude in one of, in one in one of my fucking leagues, the dude traded Lamar Jackson and like. Three first-round draft picks for Josh Allen before I even got the team. So I started with that, missing the first picks. He drafted Jerry Judy and, like, fucking Juju Smith-Schuster as my top two receivers. And I had, like, five running backs. So I was like, okay, I kind of have to unload one of these sons of bitches or else I'm hoping that Juju and Jerry really work out. And you know what? I don't like Juju and Jerry for number ones. All right, so what's the over-under on your trade so far? Plus or minus 10? Less. Less? Less. Really? Oh, yeah. I, 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 I think, I, I, well I think I've made... I'm not counting the draft pick trades. I'm, I'm that's counting tra- the draft pick That's just still... trading fucking numbers. That's, that's still a trade. That's you stand here in line. I'll stand here in line. It's still a trade. That's not... The, no. It's still a trade. That, that's like... That's ridiculous. <laughs> All right. Let's We count the ones that got vetoed? <laughs> well, we could. Because that, that trade did happen. It did happen. It did get vetoed. It did happen. It did get and listen, there. I will. I want to say this on record. The only reason I did not agree to to veto it when you when you accepted it and then said, you know what, upon further review, yeah, because I felt I don't like it, about it. Was the fact that it was a trade I offered and wanted to go through and got accepted. So yeah. at that point, since all the boxes were, my, were checked on my side, I fucking knew it was going to get voted down because in our league. If that happens and both people aren't fully on board as soon as it happens, then it ends up getting voted down. Just so, so you guys are aware of the trade we're talking about, Moses traded me uh, Jamal Williams, Tyler Algier, and Jalen Waddle for Antonio Gibson, Josh Jacobs, and uh, Garrett Wilson. Post the Brian Robinson shooting. Yes. Now, this trade is a fair trade. For- and the reason why I asked for a gentleman's veto is because it was going to leave me high and dry with my running back depth. On the flip side, and this is why, so with our teams, and this is why like when when we talk trades at all, it's all dependent on the teams involved because there's so many different fucking scenarios that you can't just be like, oh, I got this guy for this guy. Well, what are the other pieces? Like, exactly. How's your team look? It could be a great trade, and then all of a sudden you're trading your running backs away and you're fucked. Yeah. For us, it would have left him weak in running back and me weak in receiver and I'm comfortable taking flyers at receivers you know for my bench and having guys that I like starting 
whereas he would have had to take flyers on guys for running back, and we both tend to not like to do that. Exactly. We we both would rather be comfortable running back. That's why I was fine. No, I, I, I flat I, out yeah. told Sean that sleep I, on. I only wanted one. Yeah. yeah. So well, I wasn't gonna go there. I did say take some time, sleep on whatever, and you pulled the trigger. What I was gonna say was I was flat out honest with you by saying I'm realistically making this trade to keep jo- Josh Jacobs and, and probably Gibson. and probably gonna flip Gibson in a trade that. You know, plus one that would have landed me James Robinson, who I'm really high on, and Tyler Boyd, who I think is a fine replacement for St. Brown. Now, in this league, guys, we do have two flex spots, and that goes with two running backs and two wide receivers as well. Um, this is the league where I took Diggs and Adams back to back, so my wide receiving core would have been elite. Hey, he would have had Stephon Diggs, Devontae Adams, and, and Jalen Waddle. If Jalen Waddle's your flex receiver, you're doing good. Oh, yeah. You know, great. And, and <laughs> in a PPR I, league. Yeah, I think the only reason why the league shot it down, because in our league, anytime a trade comes up, if someone has question on it as league commissioner, I don't take it personal into my hands. I let the league vote on it. Everyone votes. And I, I think the reason why it voted the way it did and it got vetoed is because running backs are so scarce and such a premium before you get into the season, before you see how things really start to shape out. Um, but. Regardless, it was a fair trade. It just got vetoed, and I think a lot of that has to do with me giving up two starting running backs and really not getting any running backs in return. Running backs are just it's it's very tricky, and it all depends on your league. Yeah, giving up two proven guys and getting two rookies. I think they didn't like that. But speaking of running backs, all right, let's get back into it because we spent let's five, run, let's we run spent back. almost six <laughs> minutes debating a trade. Let's run back into it. Let's run back into the running backs. See, see what I did there? Uh, uh, butt to butt or nut to nut? Both. All right. Same time. All right. So I'm gonna jump right in. I'm gonna talk about Tony Pollard. Tony Pollard. I am down on Tony Pollard this year. A lot of really? people are really hyped up on him because of what he did last season. That's understandable. Excuse me, FGT Nation. I'm drinking a uh, Coke while I'm talking, so I just burped. Um, Tony Pollard is 25. He finished last season as the RB28. The last two seasons saw him with running back finishes as the 41 and the 53. Last season, he had 130 attempts the 719 yards and two touchdowns. That's all well splitting time with Ezekiel Elliott, which is amazing. Uh, He also is decent in the pass catching. He had 39 receptions for 337 yards and no touchdowns. Um, However, I still view him as nothing more than a handcuff this season. If uh, he was going to assume any kind of starting role, it would have been last season while he was playing behind an injured Ezekiel Elliott, and instead they merely split carries. Um, Tony Pollard, to continue to drive my point, never saw more than a 42% snap share. That's not even a target share or a carry. That's just 42% of the time he was on the field, 58% of the time. Zeke. It was Zeke. Uh, no, that, yeah, 58. Yeah, yeah all right. Simple, simple maps. Uh, he did have one nice game, and that was against the L.A. Chargers. Uh, he had 13 carries for 109 yards and one touchdown. Um, and that sounds nice on paper. You're like, oh, 13 rushes for 109 yards. That's great, right? No. Two of those big-ass plays, like half of his yardage came off of two broken plays where Joey Bosa got double-teamed. And he beat him to the outside. One of them was about a 30-yard rush. And the other one was about a 25-yard rush. 
and this was late in the third quarter, early fourth quarter on the same drive when their defense was gassed. Um, oof. I'm out of breath speaking about gas. Just speaking about gas, come on in. But, We're uh, too fat to throw <laughs> that many facts at people. But like I said, right now, I view Tony Pollard as nothing more than a handcuffed draft pick. Um, he is in that category with Mattinson where if Zeke goes down, Tony Pollard immediately becomes an RB1 with huge upside. However, Zeke Elliott is still the man in Dallas. Uh, Zeke Elliott was running behind the offensive line that was ranked 8th. When I say was ranked eighth, they lost uh, one of their starting offensive linemen, Tyron Smith, for the year. And usually you think like, oh, one guy can't make that big of a difference. He can. He can. They went from being ranked eighth overall after losing Tyron Smith. They dropped down to 20th. That's a big fall, especially for losing just one guy. Um, FGT Nation, if you had listened to previous podcasts, we talked a lot about Zeke and a pectoral injury. We were 100, 110% fucking wrong on that one. Uh, for some reason, my phone, which I usually do a lot of my notes on, auto-corrected PCL to pec. Zeke Elliott last year was playing with a PCL injury. Uh, one of those torn PCL is like an MCL or a meniscus or something like that, but it's a certain type of muscle in your knee that you have to let heal. Surgery is not gonna do anything for that muscle. You have to let it heal on its own. He decided to play through it. Uh, he finished with that injury as the RB7 on the year. He had 237 carries for 1,002 yards and 10 touchdowns. Uh, Zeke Elliott, just he knows how to find the end zone. He is going to be the goal line back. It is not gonna be Tony Pollard. He's also good with his hands. He had 47 receptions. <laughs> How are you going to just fucking say that with a straight-faced asshole? I'm trying to sit here and be nice and let you finish your fucking statement. You just ran right through. He's good with his hands. You're better than that. Uh, he had 47 receptions for 287 yards and two touchdowns. Like I said, he tore his PCL in week four and continued to play through it. Uh, a lot of people think Zeke Elliott has fallen off. I just want to give this context real quick. Weeks one through four, pre-PCL injury, he was averaging 5.3 yards per carry. After that, weeks five through 18, while playing with this injury, he was averaging 3.8 yards per carry. Uh, Pre-injury Zeke, man was a workhorse. Pollard only saw his workload increase because of Zeke's injury. Uh, long story short, healthy Zeke was a top six back no questions asked. Hurt Zeke was barely an RB18. Um, just, I love Zeke. I have him on a few teams. I, I've got hope for him this year. I've got upside for him this year. However, do draft with caution. He is 27. Uh, over the course of his six years, he does have 1,650 carries. That's a fuck ton of mileage on those legs. Um, if Zeke produces this year, that's awesome. I don't see him producing next year. So if you do have him in Dynasty, look to sell and look to sell now. All right, car salesman Sean. I will take that, <laughs> o, that 09 caravan with the high miles. Thank you very much. On oh, no, Odyssey, baby. What's up? No, um, so the whole thing with Tony Pollard, you know, coming into this, into this episode, I thought I liked Pollard more than I did 
until before before we recorded, you know, I mentioned my Alex my Alexander Mattinson thing from my Vikings podcast. If you haven't checked that out yet, go back and listen <laughs> to it. You fucking slacking. But I had said that you know Mattinson is you know don't draft him unless you have Cook. If you have Cook and and he goes down, Mattinson is in a situation where Minnesota will not alter the game plan. They'll still give the whoever the running back is the twenty something touches. Same thing here. If Zeke goes down, Tony Pollard's still gonna is gonna still get is gonna get whatever Zeke was gonna get. They're not gonna yeah they'll alter it because they might throw it to him more instead yeah. of run. But he, he's ultimately gonna get the same amount of touches that Zeke would get. So if you're gonna draft Zeke, make sure you get Pollard because I was thinking about it and you know I realized I'd taken Pollard in a few leagues, but until I realized it was only in the free leagues I'd taken him and I didn't touch him in a single paid league. <laughs> so I was like maybe I don't. And then I was like yeah no that's really. I don't like him. Now, could we see Dallas come out and with the loss of Amari Cooper and the questions at receiver, could they could they involve him more? Absolutely. But until I see that, I can't treat him more than anything else you've said. Yeah. Guys, this is why it's great having a co-host because you have more than one opinion on these things. Matt has stated, if you draft Alvin Cook, you have to grab Mattinson. If you draft Elliott, you have to grab Pollard. I'm the total opposite. You're shooting for safety. I would shoot for upside. If I draft Elliott, I'm going to draft Mattinson. Because if Cook goes down, then I have two top-end running backs. If I have Cook, I'm going to take a shot on Pollard. Because if Zeke goes down, then I have two top-end running backs. But, like you said, with the safety, if you're drafting and you take these you know, moderate to high-risk uh, running backs with a ton of mileage and you know they have a solid backup... There is absolutely nothing wrong with taking their handcuff later. Well, and that's so. My, my argument for you would be, you know, if I'm taking a Zeke, I'm not doing this. If I get myself a Jonathan Taylor, and then you know, that that's fine. I'm I'm, I'm not too worried about it. A Mixon, something like that. Yeah. But if I'm getting a high mileage guy like Zeke or, or Cook that I'm worried could you know the tires could fall off this season. I want their handcuff opposed to the other guy's handcuff because then I don't want my fucking car breaking down and I'm sitting on someone else's backup. Yeah. All right, so surprise, surprise. Similar to Joe Mixon, this is the, the running back I want to talk about myself is a guy that I had faded for a while because he just wasn't entertaining to me. And there was so much hype last year that he was going to be unfucking real and I just did not believe it. I, There was no way in hell it was going to happen. And then he came out and finished the RB2 with 206 attempts, 911 yards, 12 touchdowns, and 70 receptions on 94 targets for 647 yards and 8 touchdowns. I'm talking about my, my man Austin Eckler. I love Austin Eckler. I... Even as a human being. He's projected RB3, and I just... I wanted to like him so much but I couldn't for the simple fact that up until last year he had not rushed for over 600, five and change but I remember just 600 yards yeah. in a single season I mean we we, we, tapped, we, we touched on, on this topic earlier Austin Eckler is essentially just an additional receiver out of the backfield or at least he had been up until last year last year he finally gets over 200 touches and he gets just shy of a thousand yards he was actually eighth in touches last year, and he also ranked uh, first and second, you know, consecutive or not consecutively, respectfully, in 
um, red zone targets. Yeah. For rushing and passes, he he was eighteen of seventy three. So, you know, he's the he, he his talent to catch the ball is there. The the question I have is, can he still be a runner? I mean. Yes, he did have almost 1,000 yards last year, but like I said, prior to that, he hadn't even broken 600. He's used out of the backfield, and now the Chargers add Gerald Everett, and they have the you know potential emergence of Josh Palmer. If you don't see regression from Keenan Allen or Mike Williams, and you know those two stay on, Everett breaks out like people are talking about, and Palmer gets the targets that Herbert himself has said he sees him getting, I find it you know either... Eckler's going to have to become more of a running back or there's going to be some regression. And you pointed out prior to this recording that even he himself has come out and said that he's not a three-down back and he and they need to go out and get an, a second guy behind him. Several, like not just, this isn't just this year he said that. It's been an ongoing statement. So, you know, is it a reluctance to want to do that? Is it a physical, whatever it is. I, do, I think similar to you know Cordero Patterson, not to the same extent that I think CPAT will regress, but I think Austin Eckler is going to have a regression this year. I don't think you'll see anywhere near 900 yards rushing. See, I'm on the, I'm on the complete opposite end of, of what you just said. Um, you did bring up some facts that you know he's never really eclipsed X amount of yards in previous seasons. What a lot of people fail to realize when you look at just the stats is he came onto the the Chargers as an undrafted free agent he had to fight his way up to the depth chart which took a year or two Uh, and then he was splitting time with melvin gordon and he really didn't see any workhorse duties until the melvin gordon holdout uh after the melvin gordon holdout which i think ended week six week seven ish uh he came back and they virtually went 50 50 which limited his upside going into that season uh last year we saw the emergence of Austin Eckler due to the fact that Melvin Gordon was no longer in San Diego, which is now L.A. Uh, Melvin Gordon had gotten shipped out to uh, Denver. Um, Austin Eckler has come out and said, you know, I'm not built to be a workhorse back. Uh, can he do it? Absolutely. Does he want to do it? No, because he's smart. He wants to protect his body. He wants to have a longevity of his career. Um, Austin Eckler going off the board as the RB3, I have a little bit of hesitancy. I will take him in the first round as a top 10 running back. Yes. No, no problem. Uh, Austin Eckler uh, doesn't have much in the backfield behind him for competition still. Um, but do I see regression? No, I don't. He doesn't have a lot of mileage on him. And like I said, the previous years where he was starting to emerge as you know, the starting running back in that backfield, he was still battling with Melvin Gordon. And we know who Melvin Gordon is. That dude is a fucking touchdown machine. Um, so no longer splitting any time with him. I think we see more of what we saw last year from Austin Eckler. But projecting out that, you know, every running back in the league stays healthy. Does he finish as a top three running back? No. Uh, could he finish in the top 12, top 10? Like I said, absolutely. fucking loot me. At top 10, 100%. Top 5, no. That's pushing it. I just think that to expect Austin, he's not going to give you 1,500 yards in the ground. No, but I he, don't might, give think you, he'll give you, might give you 1,500 all purpose. Well, so I was going to say, yeah. he had 1,500 and change last year total on 20 touchdowns. Yeah. Do I think we might see more in the 1,400 to 1,300 combined range? I do. 
Do I think 20 touchdowns is is, is attainable again? No. No. I think you're going to see more in the 12 to 1,300 yards, maybe 14 if he, if he doesn't regress like I think. And, you know, if you're – if he's still killing it combined, 12 to 15 max. I think Austin Eckler, uh, his ceiling is, you know, 2018, 2019 Alvin Kamara. And his floor is 2021 Alvin Kamara. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, can we can we at least agree that his his ceiling has a lot to do with if Josh Palmer emerges the way they want him to and, ta- um, and takes over catches? Or do you still think that Eckler would get the rushing? I still think Eckler would get the rushing. You're on crack. I don't think the wide receivers take away from the passing because Eckler gets more of the swing passes, the screens, you know what I mean, the outside passes, whereas Josh Palmer is looking to go like a slant king type deal. Um, but do you want to touch on that? Uh, who's behind him or? I mean, there's a, there's a couple guys behind him. I didn't write them. In, I didn't write any of them down for the simple fact that they're one of the backfields. If you don't get Eckler, don't touch anyone else. In my opinion. I think there's there's too much going on as far as uncertainty. I mean, depending on what fucking report you read, each one of the three backs that's behind Eckler, I think there's Joshua Kelly. There's Joshua Kelly, Larry Roundtree, and Isaiah Spiller. All three of them, depending on the report you read, say that they're going to be the, the RB2. Yeah. So I think each well, of them have their own possibility of emerging as that RB2 until that happens. I don't want to touch any of them because it's a one in three fucking shot. Yeah, it's tough to judge their backfield. Um, they did draft Isaiah Spiller. I think he was in like the fourth round, if I'm not mistaken. He's a higher pick. Uh, he was projected to be a day one pick, and this man just fell off the face of the earth at the combine, and it has not been nice since. Uh, Isaiah Spiller came in hopeful. Uh, he looked like as like they drafted him. He looked like he was going to be the clear cut RB two. Uh, he did get hurt at the very beginning of preseason, which paved the way for Larry Roundtree to come in and make a statement. And then following that right up, uh, Joshua Kelly came in and made a statement. And now it's a three-headed um, competition going for the RB2. And unless Eckler gets hurt, I don't think we ever see who the real RB2 is in that backfield at all this season. So I'm not touching any one of them. For the record, Larry Roundtree sounds made up. <laughs> it does. That sounds like a, it, that it sounds, sounds like a it fake sounds fucking like, name. Uh, the cousin that comes over to the treehouse on Gullah Gullah Island. It sounds like someone asked him his... It sounds like he walked into the combine not expecting to actually get in. They asked him his name. He fucking panicked, looked around, saw Larry, saw like a round window and a and tree. Then, and it was like, Larry <laughs> Roundtree. Put them all together. Yeah. yeah. Made, made up a name on the spot. Yeah. He'd been listening to Larry the Cable Guy on the ride in or something, but I'm sorry. That's, that's not a real person. All right. Now a guy that you just fucking love. Nope. Not at okay. all. So this is another backfield that has some questions in it. And... We have very differing opinions on this gentleman because I think that you know he was just disrespected last year. <laughs> and there's no fucking way if he gets anywhere near the amount of touches inside the 20-yard line again that he got last year. Yeah. That he doesn't score a single fucking touchdown. Our man is the Jacoby Myers of the backfield in Philadelphia. We're talking about Miles Fucking doesn't want to score Sanders. He's too busy playing okay. in the sandbox. He did have a couple injuries last year. Yeah, Miles to Sandman Sandbox. I follow suit <laughs> before the end zone. <laughs> he played 12 games last year. He only had 137 uh, attempts. 
but he turned that into 754 yards, which was one of the best. Uh, he had one of the best y- uh, yards per carry average of last year. Oh yeah, I he, forgot to write it down. He, but he, he was awesome last year. You know what I mean? It just it it's sucked. So, but the thing is too. So he had zero touchdowns. He had 26 catches for 158 yards and no touchdowns, finishing as the RB44 projected RB34. He had 23 touches inside of the 20-yard line. Yeah. Which tells me he'd get the ball at the 20, get them to the 15 or the 10, and then Jalen Hurts would finish it off because Jalen Hurts had 10 touchdowns rushing last year. Well, they brought in Jordan Howard, too, that fucking— Well, and that's what I was going to say was Jordan Howard— like, Miles Sanders would pretty much work his ass off to get them there. And then, all right, by the way, now Jordan Howard is going to pound it three times for three <laughs> yards and a touchdown. He did exactly what he would do. <laughs> he, he would go into the game, and he'd have fucking eight rushes for one yard and one touchdown. Yeah, because they just pound him into the fucking line. So, I'm sorry. There's just there's no way. First off, if he even keeps anywhere close to that yards per carry, and they trust him to actually run the ball because, again, surprise, surprise, it reverts to this. If you revert to a more traditional pocket passer out of Jalen Hurts, that means you're going to have more traditional run plays or at least some fucking options. Will Jalen Hurts give the ball up on the option? Probably not. But on the on the more traditional run plays, you know, if Miles Sanders is trusted, I can see him getting more of like the 150 to 175 touches. And if he does that, he's going to break 1,000 yards, and he will get touchdowns. I don't think it's so much his trust as to stay healthy. Because like you said, he did battle injuries. Well, I was going to say that. He played with a lot of soft tissue injuries throughout the season. And I think that's why they maybe pulled him back when they got towards the goal line. Well, I was going to say, so it was for whatever reason, Philly just seemed to like to rotate running backs. I mean, you saw Jordan Howard and Boston Scott use heavily enough last year where they warranted fantasy use at times. Yeah. You, like Even Kenneth Gainwell. Yeah, I was going to say, Kenneth Gainwell even occasionally had like a, I think he had a game where he went off. Because there was a game where two running backs just fucking dragged their nuts over people. And now that there's talks that, and this is why I didn't include the running backs because it's very similar to me as the Chargers, but for different reasons. I'm not touching Gainwell or Scott until the season starts and I see who actually gets used. Because same thing, you read them both and Gainwell is gonna is, is the clear front runner to be the RB two. Boston Scott is all of a sudden making a, a run for the RB two. If you if you get Sanders, which I think he's a great bench stash because I just don't understand how he doesn't get touchdowns this year. Um, don't bother touching anyone else below him, Giggity. Uh, for the simple fact that until you see it pan out you're just taking a shot in the dark and there's so many other options that are less questionable that, that if you needed to if for whatever reason we're running backs are just like at a premium and you're stuck facing people at that level there'll be less question marks now just like we said with the chargers backfield like the backfield outside of the clear cut one is a mess however with philly um, I would take a late round dart throw at Kenneth Gainwell just from what he showed last year as a rookie. Um, if they move on from Miles Sanders, I kind of feel like it'll be Gainwell's job to lose. Uh, Boston Scott has shown a lot of promise this offseason as the pass catching back. Um, and I think that's where a lot of the confusion comes out of that backfield because they've been using him more as the pass catching back and they've been using uh, Sanders as the bell cow. And I think that's just trying to get Sanders back up to speed and see where they are with his health. 
Um, but I do think if Sanders goes down, I think it's Gainwell's job to lose. Uh, but it's still a big fucking question mark. Like, like we've said before, like there's no clear cut answer behind Miles Sanders or clear cut answer behind Austin Eckler, like you have with Zeke and Pollard, uh, Cook and Mattinson, or any one of these guys. Um, but that being said, uh, I'm staying away from the Philly backfield as a whole, unless you can get Miles Sanders at a steal. Yeah, that's basically um, in, in my draft last night. I wasn't even planning on picking a running back in a round, and then I realized that Sanders had slid to a. I forget what round it was, but it was way past when he should have. So yeah. I was like, "All right, fine, fuck it, I'll take him." We jump in back to Postman Sean. Jump in his, back. His running back recap of the Arizona Cardinals. Touch real, real quick. Um, their backfield consists of uh, Daryl Williams. The, the wrong D. Williams that uh, Eric took. No, if you're Eric, it's the right D. Williams. In, in our draft way back when Kareem Hunt was on the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, he's, on paper, he's the RB2 in that backfield. However, I think it's Eno Benjamin that is going to be the RB2 handcuffed to James Conner. Uh, Eno Benjamin is 23. He's been with Arizona since 2020, but didn't really get a uh, shot at playing until 2021. Uh, he did finish as the RB ninety eight. Wow! But that was in, that was in just nine games. Uh, he was a practice practice squad uh, call up. Um, but like I said, he does have the upper hand on the backup role over uh, Keontae Ingram and uh, Daryl Williams. With uh, a good showing in the preseason, you know what I mean. He's draftable as a handcuff behind James Conner, who is one of the more high risk running backs in the league. Uh, I know Moses is high on James Conner, so I'll touch on him next. He's the clear-cut RB1. He is 27. He finished last season as the RB5. Uh, Arizona liked him so much and what they saw in him that they re-upped him with a three-year, $21 million contract. Um, he's only had one other top 10 finish in his entire playing career. That was in 2018 during Le'Veon Bell's holdout. Uh, his other finishes for his entire career have been RB105, RB7, RB33, RB27, and last season as the RB5. Uh, he finished high due to half the league honestly being injured uh, and on the back of 18 total touchdowns. Um, he was incredibly inefficient incredibly inefficient and just for comparison when we talked about Zeke having five plus yards per carry before he got injured and then getting injured after week uh weeks five through 18 with 3.8 carries for Zeke now a lot of people are down on Zeke and a lot of people are up on Connor they're both 27 Connor last season averaged 3.72 yards per carry which is lower than what Zeke did um, like I said, people are hyped on them both. They're both the same age. Uh, Zeke has had less injuries throughout his entire career uh, and still performed better in a per-carry basis with a torn PCL than a healthy James Conner. Um, in my personal opinion, James Conner is a nice RB2 if you can get him in the mid-rounds. I'm talking like 4th, 5th, 6th if you're in a 12-14 team league. Uh, if you're in an 8 or a 10, you, you're aiming a lot lower than that. You're looking at 7, 8, 9. Um, 
I'm just, I'm not paying up for him. And if I'm 100% honest, he's one of my fades for running backs this year. And that's purely due off of age, uh, inconsistency when you break down the metrics. Um, he averaged just about 17 points per game uh, with an 18 game schedule. It, that's roughly a touchdown per game. If you take that away, he performs nothing more than a flex guy with the 10 to 12 point mark. Uh, James Conner, I'm fading him. I'm not high on him. I don't trust him. Um, I'm not telling you not to take him because if you can get him at a value, I don't see why you wouldn't. So I won't say that I'm high on him. I will say that I'm higher on him than some people uh, seem to be. And the reason I say that is because in the drafts I've done, I've noticed he's been one of one of the last bigger name receiver, uh, receiver running backs off the board. Yeah. And the reason I like him more than like a Zeke, for example, in that situation is, you know, and the reason that I think people do is his, you know, Zeke has Tony Pollard for competition. You know, there's, there's that talk of how they're going to use Tony Pollard because for the past two or three years, there's been talks of them using him heavily. Whereas there's no one really proven behind James Conner. And I'll be the first to admit that James Conner's, you know, positioning last year on the rankings was heavily touchdown influenced. Um, the thing is, I don't really see that changing all that much. I think that at least for this coming year, I like Arizona a lot. I think they're going to move the ball a lot. They've made it known that they want to give James Conner the the ball in the red zone yeah. because he's a tough son of a bitch that can handle it. So would I be surprised if maybe he didn't have the yardage that we'd like out of a higher end back? No. Um, do I think he'll have the same touchdowns he did last year? I think he'll lose a little bit, but I think he's going to be one of those guys that's going to be the lower the, the lower rush yards, but the more touchdowns. So if I can, if I decide to go receiver heavy and I, and he slides and I take him as a as a running back too, I'm fine with that. Would, would I take him as an RB one? Absolutely not. I think that's way too yeah, dangerous. No, that's way. Even if you're going zero RB strategy, that's one thing. But I'm just I'm scared of him staying healthy for an entire season as the bell cow. Absolutely. All right. I wanted to save my last running back for this because the disrespect this season for him, which in what in my opinion should be one of his best rated seasons, you know, going into the season, is just unfucking real. I'm talking Josh Jacobs. Okay. I get pissed at his at his disrespect in Madden. With his lack of speed ratings, <laughs> and I get pissed at his fucking lack of rating on, you know, on just fucking everything. Played 15 games last year, had 217 attempts, 872 yards, nine touchdowns, caught 54 of, of 64 for 348 yards, and no touchdowns. Finishes the RB16, and then sim- same thing as Hunter Ren. I, I don't know how the fuck. Everybody on this fucking team, except for Darren Waller, <laughs> regressed just... by adding Devontae Adams because I would think that spreading the ball out more and spreading the field out more would help keep people out of the box. But what do I know? I'm a fat guy sitting in a, in a fucking Volkswagen GTI because he, he's projected as the RB23, okay? Last year was his best receiving season yet. It has been... an it was made a known point going into last year and continuing into this year that they want to get Josh Jacobs more involved in the in the in the past game, and he responded. He only he only missed ten out of sixty four passes. 
and he put up 350 fucking yards. Yeah, he didn't get touchdowns out of it, but you got to look at the situations of when he was handling the passes. He still got nine on the ground. It was also his first season under a, a thousand a thousand yards rushing. Yeah, and that was because he was dealing with injuries throughout the entire fucking team. So, the, I don't. <coughs> excuse me. And, and then just to name a few of the guys ranked above him right now: Elijah Mitchell, AJ Dillon, Cam Akers, Brees Hall, David Montgomery, and Travis Etienne. If I'm being hundred percent honest, there's probably two guys on that list that I take over Jacobs. And that's ETN and maybe Brees Hall just for the upside. Well, I would normally have said Brees Hall, but they did come out and say that it's Michael it was gonna Carter. Be a, it right was going to be, be a committee. Yeah, it's going to be a committee with Hall and then Carter. Now you could make the argument potentially for AJ Dillon with with the changes, but that's a wait and see scenario there. I'm sorry, but I like Josh Jacobs more than everyone on that list because because he's proven it before. He's already had thousand yard. Seasons yeah. and like before this year, he was a touchdown machine. Yeah. Oh yeah. Touchdown machine. So like Elijah Mitchell, I'm sorry, I like him more. AJ Dillon, I like him more. Cam Akers, we don't even know if he's how he's gonna look because he yeah. looked like shit when he came back. Yeah. Cam Akers hasn't proven it yet, and he's being taken way, way above where he should be. You know, like Cam Akers, he's coming off an Achilles tear. Yeah, he came back fast, but he looked like shit in the playoffs. Uh, and you're basing everything this year off of what he did at the end of his rookie year. Yeah. A.J. Dillon's only being ranked as high as he is because of the need to include Jones and Dillon to be yeah. to, to be relevant for the team. So, yeah. Brees Hall's got a timeshare in place for the Jets. David Montgomery's got rumors to have issues with Khalil Herbert in playing time. And Travis e- and I mean, I'd say, obviously, honestly, ETN and Mitchell are both essentially still, in my mind, unproven rookies coming off injuries. Well, ETN, obviously, because he missed his entire rookie game. Yeah, so he, like, so I'm sorry, but, like, if I'm picking fantasy, I want Jacobs over those. That's, that's fucking six guys right there. Yeah. So that puts him at a borderline top ten. And it's not like Jacobs has much competition in the backfield. He's got the rookie Zamir White, who's shown promise. He's got Amir Abdullah, who also has shown promise, even with his time with, like, Detroit and stuff. But Amir Abdullah is, is nothing more than a change of pace back. And then you've got Brandon Bolden as a fourth running back on that jet chart coming over from New England with Josh Daniels. Um, Brandon Bolden is going to be nothing more than a, a passing down back and, and a change of pace just like the rest of these guys. But it's Josh Jacobs is the bell cow in, in Vegas right now, and I, I like him. I've got him on my team. Yeah, I mean, the only argument – I know, I almost traded for him. I know. The only argument – I did trade for him. The only argument people would have could, could have is that Josh McDaniels – historically has used a running back by committee approach in New England. Now, I could argue that one of two ways. I could say, one, how much of that was McDaniels and how much of that was Belichick. But I could also argue that by saying, if we're going to sit here and, and look at historical you know, tendencies of coaches, Josh Jacobs is in a contract year. Yeah. So aside from players typically trying to ball out on a contract year, historically speaking, Josh McDaniels is known for running the fucking wheels off guys at in their last yeah. year to see how they can do. So if you're going to sit here and base off his historics, Josh Jacobs should have 300 fucking attempts yeah. rushing the ball. And not only taking in the fact that it, he's playing in a contract year, a lot of people are looking down on Josh Jacobs because his fifth-year option was not picked up. Um, this isn't your typical situation like Damian Harris where Bill Belichick decided not to pick up his fifth-year option, which would re- most likely result in a midseason trade. Um, if they don't decide to re-sign him. 
I do wholeheartedly believe the only reason why Josh Jacobs did not have his fifth-year option picked up is because McDaniels wants to see what these guys have, and if he likes it, then he's going to re-up them in a contract. Um, he's not going to franchise. He's not going to pick up the option. He's going to give this guy like a, a three, four-year deal and, and roll from there. Um, but Josh Jacobs, I love him, even if he's an RB2. Um, but most drafts, if you play the cards right, you can get Josh Jacobs as a flex. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think if, if I think if you if you swing Josh Jacobs as your third running back, you're in great you're, shape. You're killing it because his upside is he's a fucking genetic beast. I mean, I think that whole Raiders team as a whole this year is. I, I know I said, whole, I said whole twice, but that's because yeah. I'm, I'm still caught up on tight ends, wide receivers. How you doing? They're off. Their only thing that can hold them back from dominating this year, I think, is their defense because they have some unproven stuff there. Their offense is on par. I think Josh Jacobs has. I mean, like I, the six guys I mentioned, you you agreed, yeah. maybe maybe two of them. So there's 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 already arguments to say that the the ADP is completely wrong. Yeah, and I love Josh Jacobs. And so. Josh Jacobs is going to be heavily involved in this offense because whether you like it or not, there's not going to be a <laughs> lot of game script where it's just going to be all right. We're going to ground and pound, or we're going to have to sling from behind. They're going to be in constant, you know, hurry up, constant like drive down the field because. The Raiders, even though they're stacked, it's not like they have easy competition this year. They're playing Russell Wilson twice. They're playing Herbert twice. Like, that whole division just deserves to be in Super Bowl contention. Like, it, it, it's the most stacked division in recent memory that I can think of. I'm genuinely excited for that division. Like, they, they should be on primetime Monday night, Sunday night football every fucking week. Like, no questions asked. Yeah, I think, I think the only thing that would stop Josh Jacobs would be injuries because... You know, it's you know you, you could argue the timeshare thing. The Patriots have never had running backs that were as far apart in talent as they do in in you know in Vegas. You know, you had guys like Damian Harris. You had guys like like um, Kevin Falk and fucking Lawrence. You had guys that were no yeah, one was Ben Javis, Green you know, Ellis, Sony Michelle, Lawrence Maroney, Sony Michelle. Nobody was clearly better no. than anyone else. Josh Jacobs is clearly better than Abdullah, Ben yeah. Bolden, Ben White. It's a fucking White. landslide. Like, I, I think you'll see a timeshare if Jacobs gets hurt. Yeah. All right, FGT Nation, you know what time it is. It's that time of the episode where we wrap things up. Literally. Ever, ever. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to give a, a big warm thank you for everyone dealing with us through these 32 teams. I know it's been a fucking gauntlet. We felt it. You felt it. Everyone's feeling it. Yeah. I want to give a special shout out to my girlfriend Haley for for fucking having the patience to deal with our with our daughter Adeline and let me record these episodes because it would not be possible without her. Just like I know, you know, you couldn't do this without Kristen. No, that that girl is my superhero. So just like as Haley is mine. So thank you to them. Thank you to FGT Nation. Be sure to check out that Patreon to help us keep growing. Be sure to fucking like, share, subscribe. You know, question. Ask us questions. If you, how you feel about the episode? If you agree, you disagree. You think we're stupid. You think I look better in capris than Sean? Whatever the fuck you want to give us for for input, let us know. We're down. You know, we'll talk back. I, I know if you've seen it, we got Dan Myers, who is more than welcome to have conversations with us. Yeah. A few other guys that say things, we will respond. Oh yeah, hands down. You because know what I mean? we love the fan interaction. We love just talking football. That's why we do this. We can't get enough of it. Um, speaking of talking football, like we are all wrapped up. Draft season today is one of the busiest days. Uh, the season starts this Thursday 
which means we will start putting out week one content. And I do want another shout out too. I noticed that over the past week or so, so first off, shout out Andy Cosby again, because he threw some invites out there. Don't be afraid to throw out some invites to people that that, that you think will like us, but we have been seeing, you know, the, the, uh, the new members this week. So, I mean, that, shout out to, to, to the new FGT Nation people. Love it. And uh, I have one question I want to end this with. Since, since the season's starting soon, that Pittsburgh had that big quarterback battle, okay? It's, <laughs> it's room, yeah, the big quarterback battle where all three of the guys apparently showed some signs. It's been rumored that Mitch Trubisky is going to be the starter. I want to know how you feel about the other reports that Kenny Pickett is third on the depth chart behind... Mitch Trubisky and Mason Rudolph. See, I think he's third on the depth chart personally as just a red shirt year. Uh, Tomlin's going to bring him along slow. I don't think the leash is very long, though. You know, Kenny Pickett, like we talked about off air, I think he can take over after the bye week um, if there's struggles in the quarterback room or if they're just completely out of contention. Um, I think personally Mason Rudolph is ahead of him on the depth chart because he's gathering a ton of trade interest around the league. Um, I think that's just all a ploy to, you know, get his uh, his trade value up there. Um, but that being said, FGT Nation, like I said, we're still going to try and work on uh, joint episodes. Figure that out. Uh, but look forward to some more solo content. Um, I plan on once the season starts, trying to get out there and give you guys like dark horse guys to get off the waivers that could change your fantasy league. Um, guys that you should, you know, start, sit. Any kind of questions like that, if you guys want to ask them, we'd be more than happy to uh, break it down and have debates and discussions. Um, but, yeah, look forward to some week one content and us moving along. I'm looking forward to it. I know he, Sean is too. Uh, hopefully you guys are. So Let's uh, let's keep it right. Let's keep, keep it, it tight. tight. Let's shout out them lights. Have Peace. a good night.
price, so you get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. <laughs>